We are live on YouTube, Rumble, Twitter. We're about to be live on Rockfin. As soon as I see that little red button, I have a special guest here with me today. Mr. President, thank you for joining me after such a wild couple of days for you. I'm sure it's been it's been pretty hectic. Uh, your mic is muted right now. I don't know if you are in front of it, but I'm sure you will be back there in a second. I know that you had the Iowa caucus last night, Mr. President. Today you had to be in court for that E. Jean Carroll, that crazy lady who makes up all that stuff, that trial, the defamation trial where it, she just gets to make up a bunch of random crazy things and then get paid millions of dollars. And to have you joining us today, and you will be back in a moment. With an unmuted mic, I am thrilled because I want to go through what happened with the Iowa caucus and the aftermath with you and, and get some of your insights on it. So let's go ahead and dive in with the show. The glorious Iowa caucus spin comparing Trump and DeSantis speeches from last night and Democrats came out for Haley in Iowa as they made up half of her votes last night. Top story today, Trump dominated the Iowa caucus last night in historic fashion, winning by a larger margin than ever before in history. 30 points, was it Was it 30 or 50 points? It, it, absolute it was a huge... landslide, Brad. It was an absolute landslide. Sorry, I had to go get me a glass of water. You want to stay a hydrated? Of, a lot of things going on pretty dehydrated. You got to stay hydrated, Brad. What, did you win by 50 points? Is that what it was? It wasn't 30, was it? It was 50. 50 was. points. You won by 50. 50 points. Yeah. So you not only won by the largest margin in history, which the previous largest victory was 13 points back in 1972, but you also were the first Republican candidate to ever win over 50% of the vote in a contested caucus. Very historic. And yet, despite that being the first time this has ever happened, here's how the Drudge Report covered your historic victory. The spin that they put on it is extraordinary. There's the headline. You see it on screen there. I took a snapshot of it, and I tweeted it out on X. But they had right there at the top of the website, half of Republicans didn't want Trump. So you're the first candidate to ever get over 50%. You got 51 in a contested caucus, and the reporting here is that half of the Republicans didn't want you, even though you no know, one's I'm, ever gotten I'm very that surprised by that coming from the Drudge Report, Brad. Well, the Drudge has been very anti-you, Mr. President, for a couple of years now. They've definitely taken a, a left turn, but they're not the only public publication doing this glorious spin on what happened last night. They're looking for any angle. Like you dominated more than, I don't know why they would not have anticipated you dominating. I think the second that you announced that you were going to be running in 2024, back, which was back in November of 2022, it was already over. The, the GOP primary was already over. So I don't know what they expected. Uh, it's been over for a long time. I mean, if you ask me, this is just more evidence more evidence, I, Brad. I completely the agree. 2020 election. No, this is more evidence of, of the overwhelming support right now is more evidence, you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be really hard for them to cheat this time. 
Well, we shall see. They're very creative. The Drudge Report wasn't the only one who was propagating this exact same completely bizarro world framing of what happened last night. The same message, let me get this up on screen. I have some clips for you to react to that I think that you'll enjoy, Mr. President. The same propaganda was being spread on MSNBC's Morning Joe. Here is, I can't remember this guy's name, the Morning Joe crew saying exactly what Drudge did, but elaborating a bit on it. Claire McCaskill, though, first, want to get your take on what you saw last night. Not a big surprise. Donald Trump won by about the margin that most people expected. Low turnout. And as we've been saying all morning, almost half of Republican voters voted for someone other than Donald Trump last night, which is pretty stunning statistic when you consider he was president of the United States and sort of a, a de facto incumbent in some ways here in the party. So I want to stop it there. No one has ever done that before, and you're not an incumbent. They, they, they throw this de facto incumbent line in there, which they've all been doing, even though you're not an incumbent, but they have to say that to justify the blatant lie that they're about to tell. Well, I mean, maybe us- I am, Brad. Maybe I am. You know, we got the resident in office right now. I guess if we go to the election being stolen aspect of it, you could say that, but technically. Maybe they're all just admitting it. You know, trying to get that karma off of them. They're trying to wipe that karma off, perhaps. But by by a technical definition of it, you're not an incumbent. But they're trying to apply the standards of an incumbent, which would only apply to the candidate who is in office right now. Not not somebody running in the opposition party to try and make it seem like what you did wasn't historic. And and he said, that's pretty bad. Like, that was shocking to him that you got more votes, a percentage of votes, than any candidate ever has in history, he, he thinks it's awful. And this woman here is about to tell you just how pathetic it was that you did something that had never been done before. Here she well, is. And that, uh, what, that I got it, though, they, though nobody voted for me, right? But, well, no, people voted for you, but only, only 50% of people, even though 50% of people have never voted for the Republican candidate in a contested caucus ever before. But that's still awful, according to them, because that means half of the people did not like you or want you. Here she is explaining her her takeaway from the Iowa caucus last night. Uh, What are your takeaways from the result last night? Well, first of all, 50-50 for an incumbent really sucks. Not an incumbent. This This is the lie. Um, This is not good for Donald Trump. I don't care how they spin it. I get it that he won more delegates than the other candidates, but he got 50% of the vote in his own party after being an incumbent president. As you guys have said, that's not good. An incumbent president four years ago, you were not president setting aside whether the election was stolen. You see the whole lie that they're doing here. Her takeaway to... Uh, uh, you doing better than anyone has ever done before at, at the uh, Iowa caucus by a long shot, not even close, is that it was awful how amazing you did. W- what would it take for them to not say that how you performed last night was awful? Would you have to win literally every single vote? And even then, would they still be able 
to spin it. What, what are your thoughts, Mr. President, on the way they're trying to make your historic victory seem like it's really terrible? I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised, Brad. You know, the fake media, the fake news, it's, it's still as strong as it ever was, but people aren't listening as much. Uh, you know, uh, if we could just get some type of uh, unity, you know, if, uh, if maybe we could get them to report the truth, uh, people wouldn't be so stupid anymore. People are definitely becoming stupider, it feels like. And I heard you say unity there, which kind of echoes a theme that you spoke about in your remarks last night after your victory. Is that what you were referring to? Absolutely, Brad. You're a sharp, sharp knife in the drawer. Thank you. I'm, I am a sharp knife in the drawer. One of many or one of few, but I'm sharp nevertheless. About the caucus results is the dirty caucus results, the dirty, dirty caucus results. So you finished first. DeSantis finished second, which that was a bit of a surprise to the media anyway, because they've been propping up Haley, who nobody actually likes Haley. Yet the media is still surprised when Haley finished behind DeSantis. So DeSantis got a little bit of a victory. And then after Haley came Vivek. And then after Vivek in fifth place, you know who finished in fifth place, Mr. President? Who's that? Binkley. Ryan Binkley. Ryan Binkley. Ryan Binkley. He, He came in fifth place. And let me show you the numbers here. Uh, the, just to let you see how close the uh, the races were after you. Obviously, nobody got anywhere near you, but, you know, they, they some of them were closer than others. So here's the actual, the most recent numbers, if you can see that on there. So you had the 51%, and then you have Ron DeSantis there with 21.2%. 23,420 votes. And then in third, you have Nikki Haley at 19.1 with 21,085 votes. Now, that looks on the surface, right? Like Haley almost defeated Ron DeSantis, or it was right there with him. And, and that's kind of what she's claiming in her comments uh, ever since the, uh, the caucus. But that's a little bit deceiving because there was a, st- or a a survey done, uh, I think an entry survey, and then there was one done last week as well, that found that 50% of Nikki Haley's supporters that voted for her in Iowa were what's called crossover voters. Now, crossover voters is when it comes to the primaries, you can only vote in either the Democrat or the Republican primary in some states, and Iowa is one of those states. So. If you vote in one, you can't vote in the other. So Democrats or Republicans can choose to not vote for their person on their side and decide that it's more impactful to cross over and vote in the primary of the other party to either support who they think might be an easier candidate to beat or oppose someone they want to stop. And this survey found that 50% of Nikki Haley's votes in Iowa were crossover votes that came from people who are Biden supporters. So half of her votes were Democrats, right? So you take away half of those votes, and she's right there neck and neck 
with uh, Ramaswamy. You take away all the preferential treatment she's been getting by the mainstream media, the debate that got set up specifically for her against DeSantis. That, that whole thing was put on a tee for her, and Vivek wasn't allowed to be in there so that they could boost her up. Haley, probably if this were at all real uh, equal, finishes slightly above Binkley and behind Vivek. Hell, maybe Ryan Binkley even overtakes her. But it's still being spun despite the fact that it's Democrats that put her where she was, as though she's winning over Republican voters. It's kind of crazy seeing as she is exactly what Biden and the, and, and the Democrats or progressives are. She wants global wars. She, she wants to give all of our money to Zelensky. And she's out here parading around pretending to be a Republican when the only people who like her are Democrats on MSNBC and CNN. Thoughts, Mr. President? I mean, she's definitely a globalist, right? Yeah. And uh, and I heard that she made her husband change his name. And, his, I mean, maybe his sex, too. too. I, I don't know. What, what did he change his name to? Michael. Or, what was uh, his name formerly? Bill was his name. Michael was his middle name. <laughs> oh, so she made him take his middle name? That's what I hear. That's what I hear. He's a very, uh, he's a very soft man, her husband. Well, he is currently deployed in Africa. I don't know why, but I think we might have a solution here to the military recruitment shortage in the form of Nikki Haley. If every single Gen Z person and Gen Z trans female, if all of those boys and trans females believed that every single day they were going to be coming home to Nikki Haley, they would beg to be deployed to any war anywhere just so they didn't have to deal with that nightmare who probably walks in the door, straps on a dildo, and is ready to peg. I'm just, I'm just, this is my assumption about her husband based on what I see from Nikki Haley. Do you have any thoughts on that? For sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. She definitely, she probably wears it underneath her, her uh, strange outfits and her pearl necklaces that she, she wears during the debates and stuff. But I, I want to, so look at this here. This is a very interesting thing that I noticed. This is the New York Times uh, showing of the results, and they actually get it right. They have Ryan Binkley there with 774 votes last night, or 0.7%, just ahead of uh, uh, Asa Hutchinson who had 191 votes, but then you go over and you look at the CNN poll, the results poll, and CNN leaves something out here. You you see there's you, there's DeSantis, there's Nikki Haley, there's Vivek, and then there's no Binkley. They they omit Binkley, and they move Asa Hutchinson, America's Asa Hutchinson, up to fourth place, with this measly 191 votes. There's some sort of conspiracy here where CNN is trying to suppress uh, uh, the Binkley name. I, I don't know Ryan Binkley. I don't know him at all, but I don't like this. Well, I mean, they've, they've tried to suppress your name in the past. I'm not surprised. No, they've, they've been smearing me for, for whoever knows how long. And one final thought on, on this here is you can see Binkley there ahead of Asa Hutchinson and ahead of, um, it was 774 votes, uh, then Asa with 191 and Chris Christie with 35 votes, which first of all, who the hell are these 35 people in Iowa voting for Chris Christie? Who, who are these people and what happened to them? That They're very to- fat, deranged people. 
very deranged, probably very fat. They have to be. And these people are running around free in Iowa doing the Lord knows what. Okay, if you're in Iowa, Iowans, you need to be very, very careful. The only 35 Chris Christie voters in the world are roaming around your cornfield somewhere. In fact, I knew Iowa was home to vast cornfields. I didn't know that it was home to the 35 dumbest people on the planet. So watch your back. You don't want to run into a, a Chris Christie voter at night in the cornfield. So this was an interesting stat I found. So this Binkley guy, Ryan Binkley, he's like a pastor in Texas. He started this big mega church, I think. And he's actually spent $7 million or so on his campaign thus far. $6 million of it is his own money. And he spent three over $3 million in Iowa alone. So you see these numbers on screen here. Right? He spent over $3 million, and he actually spent around – I think it's like $6,000 more than DeSantis did. So he spent like $3,800,000 or $8,000, and DeSantis spent like $3,200,000. So he outspent DeSantis, yet DeSantis got 23,000 votes, and Binkley got 774. So I, I think that that's a testament to Binkley because what that proves is that what he did is he, he actually spent – Slightly under $4,000 per vote. $4,000 a vote for those 774 votes compared to DeSantis, who only spent 130 bucks per vote. I mean, this is 130 bucks is all DeSantis thinks a, a human being is worth. Meanwhile, Ryan Binkley is willing to put four grand down for each individual vote that he gets tallied up. So good for you, Mr. Ryan Binkley. I tweeted him. I said, are, are we related, Ryan Binkley? You're from Columbus, Georgia, and no response. Can you believe that? He, he wouldn't even respond to someone who shares his last name. You know, give him some time, Brad. He is busy right now. I guess you're right. He's still in the race, so good for him. Um, but, uh, all right, so I have a number of clips of the post-caucus speeches that uh, you, uh, President Trump, that DeSantis, and that Nikki Haley gave, and so we have a comment here from the Shadow Brokers on Rumble, who says, "I'm shocked that Vivek is only in fourth. You know, I thought that there might be a little bit more of a surprise for Vivek as well, and I was wondering because because he was definitely hot on social media. Like there's a lot of um, traction there. It seemed like, and the media was ignoring him, the mainstream media, but." He was fighting for the same votes that Trump was fighting for. I mean, basically the same demographic and a little bit uh, DeSantis. So most people or a lot of people, based on what I was reading and seeing people say, is they liked Vivek, but they definitely saw him as a great second choice to Trump. So I think if you, Mr. President, were not in the race for some reason, I think a, a large portion of your votes would have gone to Vivek. Some would have gone to DeSantis. Very few would have gone to Nikki Haley. As we know, it was Democrats who voted for Nikki Haley. But I think if you weren't in the race, then there's a good chance that Vivek would have been right up there with DeSantis, maybe even ahead of him. Since you oh, guys you know, he went that. from zero to eight percent. Zero to eight percent. Yeah. So he got eight percent of them. He did. He did. He did a good job. And you know, it just pisses me off that they talk about Nikki Haley as though she blew Vivek away when it was Democrats that gave her that number. She she was neck and neck with Vivek, okay? She was not close to DeSantis. 
It, it's just so absurd that they're propping her up as a GOP nominee when they had to rely on freaking Democrats who, who said in, the, in this polling that they would never vote for, for you, for Trump. They were all going to vote for Biden, and that's why she got there in a freaking Republican primary. But nobody mentions that in the reporting on this BS. So let's get back to these clips here. I want to get your reaction on something. And I would also like to illustrate it in these first couple of clips. So DeSantis, whose showing was surprising. DeSantis expressed like enthusiasm. He talked about how they told him he would never, you know, that he was done. It was over. And he shocked the world and finished second. Now, given he finished 50 points behind first, but still second when they were forecasting, he would finish third or fourth and then drop out of the race. And that didn't happen. And so he gave a four-minute speech, right? And what I, I want to kind of illustrate here is how you, Mr. President, President Trump, handles crowds so well and does speeches so well and is so popular because of how – one of the reasons being because of how well you're able to do this, why crowds go crazy versus why DeSantis is not good at this. DeSantis done some great stuff for Florida, but – when it comes to the public presentation and the charisma, he totally he should be your 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 protege. You should mentor him because he has nothing that you have when it comes to that. And the way that he handled his post Iowa speech versus the way you handled it illustrates it as good as I think you can illustrate it. So here's DeSantis right here coming out onto the stage. And remember, this crowd is fired up because he surprised everybody. And I want you to take notice of the song that plays that comes out and the way he reacts or doesn't react to that song. I mean, it's just, is there, I watch this stuff and I, I wonder, is there nobody there who's just, who's helping him? Is there nobody saying, Ron, do this. It's going to, it will help you immensely. If you just do this one thing, here he is. Here's the woman introducing him. I didn't put it up on screen. I'm I'm an idiot. I'm like a I'm like a Chris Chris I'm like a Crisco Chris Christie voter right now. I'm sitting here watching the clip and not sharing it with anybody. There we go. All right, there it is. This guy will take it to the end. So let's keep supporting him. Let's keep the momentum going. Thank you for everything that you did. Let's welcome to the stage the next president of the United States, Ron DeSantis. All right, we'll stop that there. And I will say, frighten me. I see your comment there in the, the chats. I, I am, uh, Ryan Beakley didn't respond to me asking if we're related. So the longer he goes without responding to me, the more likely it becomes that I become the biggest Ryan Binkley opposer that exists. And I encouraged people yesterday. I said, vote for Binkley. Vote for me, Brad Binkley, not Ryan Binkley. He's yet to respond to me. Write me in. So the longer, I know. I know he's joking around. I actually think it's cool to find out that that guy has the same name as me because I can have some fun with it. But you notice there that you know, DeSantis. You should, send your, uh, you should send your millions of fans out to tweet at him for the answer. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My millions of fans, of course. So he came, he, DeSantis comes out to poisons nothing but a good time. I mean, I mean, that's a great song. Classic rock. It's hard to listen to that song and not start playing a little air guitar and bobbing your head a little. And I know if I were coming out on the stage to that song that I, I might not go crazy, but I would at least give a little bit of acknowledgement that a, a badass song was playing. But I, I, I want to show it to you again and focus specifically on how little DeSantis even acknowledges this. And, and we're going to compare this to how you do it in a second, Trump. If you muted this, you would think DeSantis was coming out onto stage to elevator music. It's like a badass song is not playing, and then it goes up, and instead of letting the song linger and letting the excitement build, because everybody's like, you did better than, than you were supposed to do. We're here to cheer for you, and people are getting loud. DeSantis quickly goes directly to the stage and starts talking in the middle of a rocking song that everybody in the audience wants to jam out to for a minute, and that causes the person operating the board to have to abruptly fade it down awkwardly. Uh, listen to it one more time. The reason that I like to emphasize this stuff is because this stuff is actually very important when it comes to these politicians. Like the, like the presentation uh, of uh, the way they come out to crowds, the way they treat crowds in the moment. And you, and you do it so well, Mr. President, but there's also many people who don't focus at all on that aspect of it. And that makes people who support that person kind of get left out a little bit and uh, um, doesn't like, like, I think that's probably why one of the reasons many people are, are loyal to Trump is because when Trump does these live rallies, he's very personable, extremely personable. He's in the moment. He interacts with people and whether he actually is or not, he feels like one of the, the people that he's talking with. DeSantis always feels like he's separated from a crowd and he actually doesn't really want to be interacting with them. And that's a problem for him that he's going to have to work on. So just watch him again. Watch his body language. He's not even hearing poison through the speakers. <laughs> and he just starts talking to the mic. He, I, I like, when I was watching this, I wanted to hear some more poison. What about you, Mr. President? When you hear poison, you at least bob your head at least a little bit. Do you not? Oh, yeah. I mean, you've seen me dance, Brad. I, I love to cut a rug. Yeah, I know. You, know, you do. I, love I, what, what, what Ron could do is uh, take a page out of something like uh, WCW, Hulk Hogan. You know, come out there uh, to a real American song. Playing the yeah, air guitar, like you said. Yeah, right. And and it not, so a little but, tribute. Know, the, the other thing that uh, could uh, you know uh, could ease your soul a little bit, Brad, because you know I've listened to you a lot and I've talked to you a lot and I feel like Appreciate I know you that. pretty well. Yeah, good for uh, Is that you know maybe this shows that Ron DeSantis isn't one of these people like uh, like your Stacey Abrams that went to all these liberal arts acting schools. So you know, that's a good defense of him. He hasn't had the political activism type performance training that those like Stacey Abrams and AOC have had. What what a 
what a very kind thing for you to say about him. I think you're right. I think that he has not had the type of training that a lot of these other very slick operators have had. Um, I, well, you know, uh, like I said, I was talking about unity and uh, I need their support. Yeah. You know, I need these other Republicans you, that you, aren't Rhino's support. You've been very kind to them and, and you won by 30 percentage points, not 50. I you think know, I could have, I could have come into all those debates and just roasted all of them, especially Crisco, Chris Christie. You know, and, and, I could have been, I yeah. could have been rolling him in dough. He could have been baking them. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen that. He he dropped out of the race a little bit before this. I don't know where he landed, but I hope the structure was um, strong enough to hold him. I, I still don't know why they'd introduce DeSantis as the next president of the United States. That's what they all do. They like to project this future. It's a confidence builder for the supporters. But the problem with his presentation here is, is this, this is a live performance, right? And they introduce him as the next president, but then they cut off the thing getting everybody fired up. I mean, how many more of these caucuses do we have to go through? A lot of caucuses to go through. Nikki Haley goes through caucus after caucus. Uh, yeah, she all, all some big caucuses. Yeah, so, sometimes she gives her husband a caucus. It, here in comparison, right, it is what you do. And Dana Superstar says uh, Brad Binkley has at least 900,000 fans. I, I wish that were true. <laughs> DeSantis in comparison I mean, to Trump. she's right Brad you should get these look look I'm you know as a favor of not only voting for me but uh you should tweet out or x out whatever they call it these days go on your truth social uh and tweet at Ryan Bingley tell them that we want uh, a DNA test. We want proof that they're related. And he is a Binkley. Yeah, we just, we should I need to demand that he is a Binkley. Send me the DNA. The sh the shadow broker says hello, Trump on Rumble, a and uh, frighten me says I have eighty one million fans. I mean that is, I'm so appreciative of my eighty one million fans. Each I'll and every say one. Hello back to the shadow broker. I just hope he doesn't work for uh for BlackRock. You know what I mean? And nobody wants anybody to work for BlackRock. BlackRock's the worst. Now I'm gonna play a clip from your speech. And I could not find one that had the entire opening, but you do the same thing that you do in every single live uh, event that you do is you come out on stage to Lee, Lee Greenwood's God Bless America or what not God Bless America. What, what's the song called? What's the Lee, Lee Greenwood song called you always come out to? What is that? Hold on. I'll look that up. Lee Green. It's the one they used to play at the, uh, the laser show at Stone Mountain all the time. Proud to be an American. Yes, right, and you you get goosebumps and and you probably stand up right. So you I come mean, out I to that. I sing that in the shower in the mornings. I go to karaoke night. It's a good time. You go to karaoke night. You know, I also, uh, you know, if if you could, I, I'd I'd like to at some point talk about our border crisis. Well, you know, we can do that in a moment. Certainly, we're going to get to some of Haley's comments. I think that'll lead right into that. But I would like to just illustrate here because why you're good at this and DeSantis isn't. For me, this is an interesting thing to study about politicians because I, I, I've, I've done some speech writing for politicians. I've, I've coached a couple of politicians on, on presentation uh, back when I was teaching stand-up comedy and improv a lot. Uh, it was interesting. A couple of people took my class that were actually politicians, and um, I, I learned a lot about what, what they uh, um, are trying to do and, and the obstacles that they have in front of them and, and the ability to perform live and perform on camera. 
is uh, a challenge for many of them. That's why a lot of great or seemingly smooth politicians are very good actors. And if you recognize some of these tactics that are used, you can you can uh, start to kind of uh, see how they're you see them everywhere, right? And then you can also use some of those in your own life if you're ever given a presentation or uh, at work or anything. And I I've actually told people a number of times on the show if you're given a presentation at work, watch one of Trump's live events. And watch these techniques that he does. He might not even do them consciously, but he does them anyway. Uh, um, and he's great at them. And use that stuff during your presentation because it is solid gold. And right here, what you do in every single opening is you come out to Lee Greenwood. And you don't do what DeSantis did. You don't like just quickly get to the podium and start talking in the middle of the song, which causing the song to abruptly end, ruining everybody's good time. What you do is... You stand there stoically for the entire song and you mouth thank you to people and you point at them and you go shake people's hands and you smile at people and you interact with people and you let that entire song play and you let people enjoy the song that you know they're going to enjoy. And then as it starts to wind down, you go up to the podium and then you let people cheer for you. You let that excitement build. And once it peaks, you then begin speaking. DeSantis, straight to the mic, cut off the song, cut off the excitement. These people wanted to be excited for him, but he would not let them. And we're going to pick up where you are stoically listening to the end of God Bless America, doing what Ron DeSantis should have done. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Right, here it is right You're clapping there. You're clapping for the song. You're clapping for the people. You're in the room. You're in the moment. DeSantis is in his head is where he is. He's, well, you know, it's my time, Brad. It's my time. I'm going to take my time. Yeah, you are. And here you go coming up to the stage here. Or the podium. You don't dive right into speaking. Very graciously, you let people cheer for you. Yeah, I mean, you notice the difference there, how DeSantis raced right into speaking, and you are allowing the crowd to enjoy themselves and enjoy you. It's it's also nerves, you know. DeSantis isn't on this big of a stage as often. Right, and he doesn't have the experience that you do, and it can be nerve-wracking to be in front of a big crowd like that. With stand-up comedy, one of the things that it takes a little bit of experience to learn is – when you're nervous on stage, people tend to talk a lot faster and they'll hit, they'll, they'll say their punchline and they won't let the audience enjoy. They won't, they won't let them digest process and then respond and laugh and enjoy the punchline. They'll just keep talking. And so they'll race through their own, own punchline going to the next joke. And the audience doesn't even have time to know what hit them. And they're trying to listen to you. So, so they're not laughing at what you said, which is defeating the point. That's kind of what Ron DeSantis does. But you, you're giving the audience their moment. And then you start to speak here. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been some period of time. And most importantly, we want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout. What a crowd. You mentioned the what a turnout there. It's so funny to me because leading up, to the Iowa caucus, the me- the left-leaning media anyway, was reporting about how it was the coldest weather in history ever 
in Iowa, negative 3,000 degrees. And they were telling people, you know, if you go outside for more than 20 minutes, frostbite's going to set in. Your fingers might crack off and your heart might explode. Unless you're voting for Nikki Haley, then you'll be safe. So they did everything that they could to suppress turnout through fear of the cold weather. And then when turnout was lower or, or was low, at least according to them, they, they, they start, they changed their tune and forgot about how cold they said it was and started saying that the reason turnout was low is because people aren't actually enthusiastic about you. What a you spin. Know, there were actually people outside that couldn't get in. Really? People waited outside in the cold. Did they did they freeze and die like that one guy in uh, Scrooge in the sewer? Yeah, they all looked like that that little guy in the sewer. They all had Charlie. icicles. Yeah, they turned into icicles. Icicles for Trump. Were you joking, Mr. President, the other day when you were at a at a rally or something? I think in Iowa, and you told people, you know, it's cold, and they need to get out and vote anyway. That even if they feel sick, they need to get out and vote. That that it'll be worth it. Even if they die, it'll be worth it that they, they voted for you. Was that, were you joking around or were you, as the media reported it, truly encouraging your supporters to kill themselves in order to vote for you? Yeah. You know, uh, you know me, uh, the media doesn't understand sarcasm for one thing. Yeah. So Thomas, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, after you. I was going to say, Thomas said that he saw DeSantis throw a dart in the ceiling first try, which that's it's hard to stick those in the ceiling. And he says that perhaps Trump better watch out. I'm not, I'm not worried about Ron DeSantis. <laughs> we'll send a much better assassin than him. Who would your assassin be? Do you have a name? I mean, honestly, it could have been that guy in the brick jacket that I invited up. You know, I ha- actually have that clip. <laughs> the brick jacket guy. <laughs> Yeah, Trump invited a guy wearing a brick, wearing a border wall jacket on the stage, and, and which illustrates what I'm talking about. DeSantis isn't reacting to anything in the crowd. Trump is reacting to everything in the crowd, and, and he's making people feel important there. While DeSantis is kind of projecting this, this, and it's just because he's nervous. But it seems like the audience is irritating him. And they're in the way of him trying to, to just get this speech out that he practiced over and over again, but never considered the fact that people might be there cheering for, the, cheering for him and interrupting him. And this next clip here, we're going to go back to DeSantis. So You got to hold for laughter and applause. Absolutely. And you're very, very good at that. DeSantis is still working on it. So what he's doing in this clip is, okay, so this is kind of him rushing into his script. And he gets interrupted as he starts, and then he goes back into it. And then we'll show some ears a a, a little bit later. But back to the... They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. Uh, So you notice that little lip grab there. That was an irritation thing. That that was a shut up, even though they're cheering for him, because he's trying to deliver... A very, very tightly scripted speech. You didn't have a teleprompter. You said you didn't want it. And you were just going off the cuff, at least according to the reports yesterday. And Ron is just like, why is this freaking audience who likes me screwing my speech up? So why don't you, why, why do you think they didn't throw the kitchen sink at him? They're throwing the kitchen sink at me. They didn't have any more kitchen sinks. They've thrown them all at you. They ran out of kitchen sinks. 
You know, uh, Hillary said that she's thinking about suing me for $1 billion. I would love if that happened, and I would love to see that lawsuit live on court TV. Bring in Judge Judy to rule over it. That That's a winner right there. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. Talk about ratings and then talk about the, the things that could come forward. Uh, right. I, I wish I wish that Hillary, you know, honestly, it'd be more fun if she was running than Biden. It'll be a lot of fun if old Michael Obama jumps in the race. Well, don't hold your breath, Brad. It might be sooner than you think. Uh, I certainly know that uh, their chef didn't hold his breath and he is no longer with us. Why? Who knows? Here's Ron trying to stick to his script. We love you too. They threw every. Uh, so I want to take that back a second because I cut it off there. Uh, so what he does here is he tries to start a speech. He gets irritated that the crowd that loves him interrupts. And then he goes back to his, he, he reacts in a funny, in an odd way. And then he goes back to his, his script. He's irritated. We love you too. They threw everything but the kitchen sink. At okay. First of all, nobody said they loved him. No, nobody said we love you, and they're chanting Ron, Ron, and he says we love you. Now I get you can maybe imply that they love you, but I don't think that's what that was. I think that was him, just like trying, just yeah, yeah, we love you too. Uh, let me get back to my kitchen sink planned remarks. Shut the f up. That, that's what it feels like to me. It's just uh, it's not. Trump is very natural with this. And again, it's a very difficult thing. It's very nerve wracking. I, I, I've not like you or DeSantis, but I, I, I've performed in front of 10,000 people before live. And, you know, the first time you do that, it's terrifying and, and there's nerves and it can be easy to uh, do stuff like this. But I don't know. Ron's been doing it for a while. I feel like he'd be better at it at this point. Well, you're about to be uh, uh, moderating a debate, correct? Yes, yeah, so you know, I meant to uh, make uh, uh, um, tell people about that at the beginning of the show. I will be moderating uh, the Libertarian presidential uh, primary at uh, in Covington, Georgia, on I believe the date is January 26th on Saturday from 3 to 5. And Clint from Liberty Lockdown will be there. Uh, asking questions as well, and uh, he's he's going to be co-moderating. We're going to bring him in to co-moderate because he he has uh, very uh, extensive knowledge on economic issues and other libertarian things. And the what's their podcast? The Tower Gang podcast is going to be there doing after the debate commentary. There's going to be some stand-up comedy there later that night. It's really going to be a very cool event in Covington, Georgia. It's the whole weekend, the 25th to the 27th. If you've never been to Covington, Georgia, you haven't lived, you need to go to this Libertarian Convention. Go to the debate. Go to the whole thing. It's going to be fun. We're going to be maybe trying some experimental things while we're there. So get your tickets now. That's what I meant to do at the beginning of the show. So thank you, Mr. President. Now go on. Oh, I, I uh, you know, just, uh, that just made me think about it. You're going to have to be, uh, you're going to have to be putting your money where your mouth is, aren't you? I mean, I don't know about me. I'm just going to be asking questions, and the candidates are going to be answering them. You know, my goal would be I, I would like for one of them to be able to get on the 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 debate stage in the general election with you and, and Biden. I think that that 
Uh, it's a challenging goal, but I would like to see that happen. What do you think? Would you like a third person up there? I don't think it matters. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they got to get 10%. They got to get 10%. They haven't been able to do it. Is that is that the exact? I think there's some other factors, but it's something. He's a little less than that. I, I don't know the exact thing that gets him on that debate stage, but all I know is this. Every time Ron Paul was in one of those debates with the Republicans and Democrats, it was very obvious who the best debater was. It was always Ron Paul. And then they just, uh, they never reported on him. Like he actually won Iowa one year, I think. And they reported it as though somebody else won it. It's crazy. All right. So well, they we're... certainly aren't fair to those outliers. Yeah. If you're not in the club, they're going to indict you 400 times. You are facing a number of indictments, which which might be why DeSantis and, and Haley is staying in. They're hoping maybe you'll get taken out. Some say you might get assassinated. I certainly hope not. They, 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 there's a belief that they will never let you be the candidate, that they might take you. I don't believe that. I You know, there's an alternative belief, which I think is was just expressed on Rockfin, that you are actually the deep state candidate, but they're trying to make it look like you're not. Well, what would you say to that? I mean, I can see that theory. You can you see know, that I, theory? I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a rich white man. You know, people uh, people probably associate me with things like the Illuminati and the deep state. Yep. Uh, but you know what? I'm not. I'm, yep. uh, I'm the only thing that's going to save us from, from the Illuminati. I'll tell you that's for sure. Well... They don't like me because I turned down their offer. I didn't join their club. Right. So that's what pissed them off. And now they're, they're out to get you because you'll destroy their global new world order that they're pursuing at the world economic forum right now. Well, you know, uh, the new world order, that's just the way to usher in the antichrist. (laughs) All right. Let's back to DeSantis here. So I want to get your reaction to all these, um, debate moments or us we have our marching orders our marching so this is him just really getting in rhythm with a speech here or his script orders are to do all we can to preserve what george washington called the sacred fire of liberty the same fire that burned in philadelphia in 1776 when our founding fathers signed the declaration of independence the same sacred fire of liberty that burned at a cemetery in gettysburg when our first republican president Abraham Lincoln pledged our nation to a new birth of freedom. The same sacred fire of liberty that was on the beaches of Normandy in 1944. So you see what I'm talking about? All those interruptions before. The reason he was getting so tense in his face is because he had this in his mind. He, he was not in the moment. He wasn't reacting to to the the room or the people in it. He was just trying to get to what he envisioned as this rousing speech that he's given here. That when he practiced, he didn't really factor the other elements in the room, like people who like him. When our band of brothers stormed those shores and helped free the world, the same sacred fire of liberty that was at the Berlin Wall in 1987 when Ronald Reagan stood there and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. This is our responsibility to carry this torch and to preserve this sacred fire of liberty. 
Don't run away from this responsibility. We welcome this responsibility. Even there, he was irritated. You can see he like grabs his tongue. He bites him uh, tensely. And he's just putting up with the cheers. We thank you for your effort. We thank you for your support. You helped us get a ticket punched out of the Hawkeye State. We have a lot of work to do, but I can tell you this. As the next president of the United States, I am going to get the job done for this country. I am not. He's irritated again. Look at his lips. His body language is totally pissed off. I am not going to make any excuses. And I guarantee you this. I will not let you down. Thank you all. God bless you. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. And, you know. Did you notice that? So he ends the speech abrupt, kind of really quickly and abruptly. He thanks nobody. Nikki Haley, you, you spent most of your time thanking people uh, for the efforts that they gave. He just says, uh, thank you, appreciate you. And then he appears to just abruptly walk off stage. I don't know if he did just abruptly walk off because I couldn't find a video any longer. But did you, you see him licking his lips there? Like maybe he's doing a little, uh, a little amphetamine or something. Did you notice that? I didn't notice that, but I didn't. I didn't notice. Appreciate you, not appreciate you. Appreciate you. Yeah, right. And maybe his lips are just dry because when you do a lot of public speaking, it, your lips can, uh, your mouth can get dry. But watch his lips here, right here. Watch him kind of smack his lips a couple times at the end here. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Oh, let me take that back a little bit further. Work to do, but I can tell you this: as the next president of the United States, I am going to get the job done for this country. I am not. You see, yeah, look at him. He's licking the hell out of his lips. I am not going to make any excuses, and I guarantee you this. I I think he's on blow. I, I This did not dawn on me earlier. I think he's on blow. I think he did a bump before he came out. Have you ever seen somebody who's done cocaine? You think that's why his, his speech was so short because he was I, coming down? I th- I think that that's why he was so irritable. I think he did some blow to try and give this rousing speech in front of this crowd, and then he had this set in his mind. And when the the reality of the room kind of uh, disrupted it a little bit, he he like had like a um, yeah. You've seen somebody's on cocaine before. They're like real, it's real short and quick with with, with stuff. It, it, he, you know, I, I don't want to smear the guy. Because I, I think he he's, does a lot of good things, but I think he's on some sort of upper right now. Maybe not cocaine, but some sort of upper, which that's what a lot of these people do. So it's not like he'd be the first one. Of course not. Maybe it's Adderall. Perhaps. Perhaps it could be a little bit of Adderall. Who knows? All right. Now, there's old DeSantis. And now we're going to go back to you and just notice the difference in – your Trump's presentation, his timing, the way he reacts to the reality in the room. He's not stuck to a script. He's bringing people up on stage. He, he'll change the direction of his sentence when he, rec- when he sees something because he's acknowledging it. He's living in the moment, not in his head. And also, the things that you say at the beginning of, of this speech that Trump uh, gives are actually pretty, pretty great. And we'll hear that in a moment. But here's Trump thanking, I'll just play it, then we'll talk about it. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a 
a good a good time together. We're all having a good time together. But are they having a three-way? What does that mean? Ron and Nikki are having a good time together? Well, you know, he didn't come out to that poison song. Yeah, who knows, man? Maybe they're uh, knocking boots. And then apparently you were there also. All three of you guys are having a really good I mean, that sounds like sounds like a little kink a little kinky stuff going on. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a a good a good time together. We're all having a good time together. <laughs> and uh, I think they both actually did very well. I really do. I think they both did very well. We don't even know what the outcome of second place is. And uh, I see Carrie Lake. Congratulations, Carrie. Very good. So there he is, acknowledging and, and, and changing course and reacting to the crowd, unlike the Sanctus. I spotted her, I have to announce, because she's terrific. She's, be she's a having a good time. Senator, also. great senator, I predict, right? Going to be a great senator. Uh, okay, so now he's going to go on and, and bring up DeVake. But the reporting on what Trump would say at, you know, in the media before he spoke was, is it going to be vitriol? Is he going to just be mean and evil and authoritarian? And he comes out and he's saying kind things about all of the other candidates, which I talked about this the other day when they the media was like Trump and Vivek are fighting with each other. I'm like, this is political. This is WWE. They eventually had to do that. And they're going to be slapping high fives afterwards. And that's exactly what's going on here. Here he is uh, praising Vivek. I also want to congratulate Vivek because he did a hell of a job. He came from uh, zero and he's uh, got a big percent, probably 8%, almost 8%. And that's a, an amazing job. They all did. They're all very smart, very smart people, very capable people. So what are your thoughts on just the, you surprised a lot of people and you definitely contradicted the media by coming out and seeming to be a little bit humble in your huge win. Well, you know, uh, Brad, they don't know me. They, they don't, don't really know, know me. Yeah, of course not. They assume about you. They just make up dirty, dirty lies and they spread them all over the place. Yeah. Frighten Me suggested that maybe DeSantis was on bath salts since he is a Florida man, after all. And Thomas says maybe it was uh, Ritterall. I believe it uh, some sort of Adderall. And before we continue with your remarks that I found to be very, very, very nice. Did you know that MSNBC and Rachel Maddow refused to air your speech on their network? So after they announced that you won, Maddow came on screen. She, she broke, she said, the winner, she wouldn't even say your name, the winner of the, uh, of the Iowa caucus is about to start his speech, and we're not going to air it, and here's why. Did you know that this happened? I mean, can you imagine what it must be like to make so many of these people's heads explode? The, 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 yeah, I, it's, it's probably it's a dangerous power to have, but, but their heads do explode, and Matt Al explains in this clip here why they are refusing to air you're after the Iowa caucus speech. At this point in the evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. She called you the projected winner. She didn't say your name. Uh, we will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, we will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. Um, the reason I'm saying this is 
of course, there is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfiltered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. It is not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. It is a decision that we regularly revisit. Um, and honestly, earnestly, it is not an easy decision. But there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. Okay, so they won't air your speech because they won't broadcast knowingly untrue things, which is very, very ironic for MSNBC. Rachel Maddow says a bunch of nasty things for such a handsome young man. She's a she's a very handsome young man. Uh, spit an image of Stephen Colbert. Sometimes I think she's she's like the Stephen Colbert of Chris Hayes. Those three are are, are the same person. <laughs> and this is coming from someone who used to put like 40 different headshot like images on her big board behind her during the show with arrows and, and links and lines to all of them that all somehow like you'd be at the bottom and Putin would be at the top and they would just connect you to Putin. And she would say that you're a Russian puppet. And she also reported on the Russian P dossier. She, she reported that, you told people to inject bleach, which Trump never told anybody to inject bleach, ever. That, that, that is one of the easiest to disprove lies that there is. There was a treatment that was just approved by the FDA right before that little incident happened. And you never said inject bleach, by the way. But you were describing that treatment in the exact same language that that treatment was described by those who created it, which obviously a doctor had told it to you because you were looking over. And yet people like Kimmel, people like uh, her, people like pe friends of mine still believe that you actually told people to inject bleach. I mean, that that is such, I know everybody knows that, but that when you really think about stuff like that, that there are people who believe that's true, despite how easily disprovable it is, adamantly screaming at you, Saying that, it, that it's just such, uh, um, it shows the power of this brainwashing machine that they have people locked into. We know a mutual friend who I guarantee you, I guarantee you, he would argue with us uh, 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 that you told people to inject bleach for hours, probably. Doesn't matter when you show them, you know, they just want to believe this BS because that's what propaganda does. It doesn't just put lies into people's heads it conditions people's minds to not care if there's clear evidence disproving something because they want so badly to believe that the lie is true because it satisfies this bullshit uh, narrative and identity that's been injected upon them. i'm sorry mr president i got a little frustrated who was uh who was that uh that governor of Alaska that ran with Mitch. Uh, uh, You're talking about uh, Sarah Palin? Yeah, Sarah Palin. You know, they still think that she said she could see Russia from her back porch. Yep. She and that was a Saturday Night Live uh, quote. Yeah, that was SNL. Yeah. There, there's a couple of other examples of that. There's one of George Bush. I can't remember. Do you remember the, the, the line that they think George Bush said, but it was actually Will Ferrell on SNL? I, I don't remember what it was. But yeah, that, that's that. It's crazy how that works, how how that can like seep into popular culture, 
And you can like show people the evidence till you're blue in the face. But the second that they leave, they're going to go back and be sucked in by MSNBC and CNN and these other propaganda networks. And they're just going everything that you just told them, they'll just minimize or forget about. I mean, I've, I've literally given a mutual friend of ours. I, I have, I think it's like seven or eight different documents. And, and this person reads a lot. And these were court documents related to Jeffrey Epstein. There were books related to the uh, propaganda organization that America did and the, and the British did for World War I that had quotes from the people who were actually in it about how gullible Americans are and how gullible elites are and how um, we're being bamboozled and how they're, they're, they're mocking us because people believed their atrocity stories. And uh, it's just like the, the most easily, uh, it, no, like this is the stuff that I read years ago that opened my eyes. I'm like, holy smokes. I mean, they're, they're just, they think we're stupid. And, and they openly write about it to each other. I've shown this stuff to people who just brush it off and, and they like think it's fake. It's crazy. And I'm like, I, I've known these people for years, but they're so captured that they won't even look at anything that like undermines their little stupid narrative that makes them think we need DEI and equity and paraplegic uh, uh, um, pilots who who are deaf. You know that you know, there's a story with the pilots that they're going to hire all these people who are uh, psycho. They're psychopaths or they're mentally disturbed at the FAA or. or they, they are quadriplegics or paraplegics or midgets. They even included midgets in that. I don't know if you saw that story, but the fact that people are actually advocating for these things, it just blows my mind. What about you? I mean, I love midgets. <laughs> they're funny little people. Yeah, they're very uh you can use a midget for a lot of different things. You really can. They're very, they're like a they're like a, one of those um one of those tools, you know, that you buy for like 20 bucks at the sports store and you can do like 18 different things with it. A midget is just as much of a utility tool as anything else. Um all right, so now now here's what you said. So Rachel Maddow says we can't air Trump because he's going to air a bunch of lies. And now let's go to the reality of what you said during your your speech. I think most importantly, I want to thank my incredible wife, uh, First Lady, I'll say former and maybe future. But more important than Melania, I want to thank her incredible, beautiful mother who passed away a few days ago. And she's up there, way up there. She's looking down and she's so proud of us. And I just want to say to Amalia, you are special. One of the most special people I've ever known. He's looking up. And uh, that was a tough period of time for the family. But she, uh, she's amazing. She was amazing. So I just want to thank what she's done for our family and her husband, who's home right now and very lonely. He's a lonely man, but he's going to be okay. Victor, they're great people, great, uh, great parents to all of us, really. I mean, great parents, but also to Baron. Boy, did she take care of Baron. That's how he got so tall. He only ate her food. And I want to thank my family generally. Uh, they've worked so hard and they've taken so much abuse for being good people. I mean, good people, but uh, Eric and Don. 
It really did. These two have been working so hard, and they, uh, you know, they have another job also, so they have to do it all. But they, uh, they've been working so hard, and I know that Ivanka is home, and Tiffany's home. They're watching, and I know that Baron's watching. Good old Baron. He's. <laughs> I said, "You're going to be a basketball player." I said, "Well, I like soccer, Dad. Actually, I said, <laughs> at your height, I like basketball better. But you can't. Sometimes you can't talk them into everything. But he's a special boy." So a couple of things. I, I really love how every time he brings up Baron, he goes, oh, but he kind of gets that little grumble in his voice. And uh, I, I think he's right. Basketball, somebody as tall as Baron, very special boy, would be good for him. But, you know, if you like soccer. But the beginning of that, to me, whatever you believe about Trump, and, you know, I, I haven't voted for him. That to me, as I like, I've lost my parents. I'm sure uh, many of you listening have lost a, a parent or maybe both of them. That to me seemed very genuine to me. He's looking up, he's talking to uh, it's not his parents, Melania's mom. Uh, she died a few days ago. It wasn't really reported that much in the news, but he's like talking to her. He, he's like genuinely looking up and thanking her, in, in my opinion. And it, it did sound funny when he said her, her husband, Melania's dad, he's a very, very lonely man. Which says, I think that's just the way he talks, but there is no doubt that right now he he's really experiencing like severe depression and loneliness. That's often what happens when people have been together for like decades lose someone. They 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 aren't the same person, and that's what I took from that. And I, I don't know. I thought it was nice that that he did that because that was a story that was very underreported, and it seems clear to me that it very much had an impact on them. That that's a moment I thought was genuine. What what are your thoughts on that, Mr. President? Well, you know they they try to make me out like I'm some terrible family man, and my wife hates me. Right. Uh, you know the next thing they're gonna say is, uh, you know, I bet Trump thinks that uh, that Melania's wife could actually hear him down here. That's why I was looking up in the air. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and so you know they've been like talking about how Melania is not at any of your events the past couple months. But I think she's been taking care of her mom. She's she's a busy lady, you know. She's she's she loves her family. Yeah, uh, yeah. but you know I, yeah. those sickos in the media will do whatever they can to to slice and dice reality. Right, and that to me that didn't even connect with me. I knew that her mom was sick, but when I heard all these reports about how she's wise, Melania never with Trump. Are they are they getting divorced? Is she disgusted by him? But now that I, I hear this, and, and I, I'm, I, I'm almost certain that she was probably taking care of her mom or spending time with her mom because her mom was sick for a while, and they were like knowingly trying to like make it seem like there was problems in their marriage. Thomas Tanner on YouTube says Baron is gay. I'm, I'm assuming because of the soccer choice there. But then he goes on to say that Baron could make a great goalie, and he could make a fantastic goalie because, as you told us before on the show, Barum is Nephilim. He's a giant. And you're not getting a you're not getting a soccer ball past Nephilim. No, his, his wingspan is as wide as the goal. At least as wide as the goal. Can he fly? If he really put his mind to it. Right, he's working on it. <laughs> he, he's gonna need to because these planes nowadays. I spoke with you earlier, and you said this happened on Air Force One. The doors just blow off of these planes. Yeah, you can roll the windows down now. <laughs> you can. <laughs> And you can throw your Apple iPhone out, and it'll just land in somebody's yard and, and still work perfectly. Yeah, all you got to do is hit that button on your iWatch, and it'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, 
uh, a useful eye watches. Thomas says, have you heard of the 1893 book, Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Journey? It's all about time travel. I haven't heard of that, but that's funny. <laughs> Is, Is that it? real? Probably. I haven't heard of it, but I, I think Tanner's probably telling the truth there. Well, you know, we didn't we didn't get our hands on Project Looking Glass. Um, right. So there's a question here. I don't know if I, if I have the answer to it, but Sam says, so what's actually going on with Vivek? Uh, yeah, no, I'm sure. I don't I probably misspelled all the time too, Sam. Uh, but yes, he's supporting Trump. Vivek dropped out of the race and he's supporting Trump. A lot of people have some, they're, they're um, skeptical about Vivek, which, you know, it, it, it's, that's a good default position in my opinion, I, I think skeptical, you should never just look at someone because they're saying things that, you know, you know, tickle your brain the right way and say, I trust them. I no longer question them. So good. And for me, Vivek, you know, in the past, a lot of people don't talk about this, but he, he had some comments about the vaccine and stuff that he has changed since uh, previously that, we would probably not really appreciate because he kind of uh, implied that people who aren't vaccinated are spreading uh, coronavirus, but he has later changed his position on that. I don't know what Vivek's background is truly. I don't know what his motives are. I don't know if there's any, I don't know if there are any ar ar ulterior motives. What I know is that anybody who gets a level of influence are going to be the target of co-option so that they can be used to influence certain segments of society. Whether they give in to that, I, I you know, that's that's gonna depend on who the person is. But Vivek said the right things during his campaign. He's an extremely smart person. He said the right things. Whether he would actually do the right things, I have no idea. But he said better things than everybody else. That's all I know. I know that he was a big, uh, big pharma guy. He, he's super smart, I think, and he and the way he handles. People who uh, try and ambush rallies, and some people think these are plants, though. So that's always a possibility. But if we give the benefit of doubt, which is not, is not always the best thing to do, but if we do in this case, just for the sake of argument, the way he handles those activists is better than anybody else. Giving them the microphone, challenging them to uh, draw out their position, which that's the way you have to talk to people who have these really crazy uh, beliefs that that have been programmed into their minds they've never actually had to like talk these ideas out and defend them they've only been uh, uh, told that they're true and then they've only gotten in situations where they're shouting that they're true with somebody else who they already hate so the idea of saying yes please elaborate and explain your position to me and respond to my responses to what you say it is going to fracture their mind every time. I, I've done that with friends of mine. You just have to ask them questions, and they don't have any defenses to their arguments, like the climate change thing specifically. People are gluing themselves and their bodies to the streets and to, to like Van Gogh paintings, yet they've never actually articulated a well-thought-out argument to defend what they think they believe about climate change. And that, that's why they try and prevent people from having these conversations uh, through all this propaganda stuff and tribal uh, either or, not either or, but, you know, divide and rule shit. It, it's the last thing they want uh, is, is for people to be having conversations. So Vivek at least gave the appearance uh, of showing a conversation going on.
I, I don't know. We'll see what happens with him. I don't trust any politician personally. <laughs> I trust none of them. Uh, you, Mr. President, of course, we're close friends, so I have a little bit of trust for you. You know, I'm happy to hear that, Brad. All right. All right, let's continue with these clips here. I'm not sure what this one is. Another man who was actually the first person to endorse me in the entire country. He's a state senator. His name is Brad Zahn. He looks like he's the most handsome guy, I think. Oh, you made it. He had to drive from his caucus location. You made it. Caucus. I call him the Marlboro Man. Hey, Brad. You want to say something? Come on. Go up. Say something. So again, there's Trump bringing up people in the audience live versus DeSantis trying to stick to the script. But you found this man to be very attractive, the Marlboro man. Tell us more about this very good-looking dude. Uh, you know, there's Charlie Davidson and there's the Marlboro man. Yeah, those are the manliest men. Yeah, you know, he's uh, he's 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 the man's man, you know, which right. I appreciate. Right. Well, you know, uh, clearly you appreciate it because you didn't stop talking about him right there. You actually went on to continue to um, talk about the good looks of this this man named Brad here. And when he says endorse, we're really talking about 2015. He endorsed me before, actually, long before I knew I was going to run. I said, who's this man in Iowa? He's a senator, a state senator. He's a good-looking guy, too. <laughs> Doesn't he look? You could pay him and give him a lot of money. And by the way... Mr. Chairman, I want to thank you for being here. You are so great. Comes all the way from Missouri, which isn't that far. You can't, you can't drive an electric car that far, though. Just a number of things I really loved about that moment there. You know, that one guy, he said he comes all the way from Missouri, but it's really not that far. Too far for an electric car is a compliment, but then it's not a compliment. But my favorite part was, that guy's so good looking that you'd pay him a lot of money. What are you paying this good looking guy a lot of money for? You know, I like to pay a lot of people for being good looking. Okay. You just walk up to him and write him a check or hand him some cash. How does it work? I mean, it depends on how good looking they are. There's a scale. There's a good looking scale. What's the most you've ever paid strictly based on how good looking someone is. $10 million. Was it a man or a woman? I've done it for both. You've given a, you've just walked up to a random stranger and said, you're a very good looking man or woman. Here's $10 million. I said, you know, you're a very good looking, you're a very handsome man. Here's $10 million. Cash right how out did, of my pocket. How did they react to that? You know, they usually say, thank you. Thank you very much, sir. I'm sure that they do. ARM says on Rockfin that Ramaswamy uh, dropped out at the most advantageous time. I, I, I would agree with that. At the peak of his uh, um, popularity, he was dumped from the debates and media was about to bail on him. Yeah, they had already bailed on him. And that's they set up that last debate with Haley and DeSantis. It, that debate was strictly to try and make Haley look good because DeSantis was the only candidate who they could uh, uh, um, show her to be, you know, dominant of, at least in a debate format. And they didn't want Vivek there because Vivek, at least in the previous debates, interrupted and called out all of the BS 
And this time against DeSantis, he wasn't there, so she got to just propagate. All this. It, it was crazy during that debate because she was talking about why people should vote for her, and she's promoting the fact that she wants to continue sending American taxpayer dollars uh, to Zelensky in Ukraine, that she wants to continue foreign funded wars, uh, funding foreign wars, which that that's clearly not what what most people who lean right, at least from my experiences, believe. But by getting Vivek out of there and presenting these two, which DeSantis didn't push back on any of that, they gave the illusion that right-leaning people are just as pro-war globalist as Nikki Haley is. When Nikki Haley, most of her supporters are Democrats. She's a freaking Democrat, Nimrod Haley. I, I did not know Nikki Haley was Indian. Is she Indian? Is that what she is? I thought she was a white person with a tan, just like I thought Meghan Markle was. I'm a white person without a tan. I'm a white person with very pale skin most of the year. And my brother and my sister are, are white people with tans. They always look a little brown. They're not Indians. They're not black. I see Nikki Haley, and I'm like, oh, man, very, very fortunate to have the skin that just tans naturally. But come to find out she's actually an, an Indian, and everything you say against her is an act of racism. That's what I learned in the past couple of weeks. What a crock of shit, man. Did you know that Nikki Haley was not a white person, Mr. President? Uh, you know, I, I did. Maybe she's like Pocahontas. She, she's more Pocahontas than, uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Warren, anyway. You know, maybe, uh, maybe none of it's true. We don't know what's true. You know, she could be, uh, she could be a plant by the central intelligence agency. And maybe she's, maybe she's got like a, a fake face on. Maybe she's, maybe she's a dude underneath there. I don't know. I don't know what kind of spy technology they have. All right. So you had the most handsome guy. Call that guy good looking. All right. So this is very interesting what you said here. And it's very true. Talked about this on the show a good bit. You bring up another candidate who was a governor who did not get traction in his presidential uh, campaign. And you make a very, very valid point that you have used effectively, which is that controversy creates stickiness. You know, we have a man that was very impressive. And I say there's nothing wrong with it. He's so solid and so good that he didn't catch on. Sometimes being a little controversial is good. He's so perfect. Although he did break his leg during the campaign, that wasn't so good. But it sort of <laughs> stood out a little bit. Doug. But Doug Burgum from North Dakota, the governor, and his beautiful wife, Catherine. And he got out of the race. What people don't know is that he actually supported me on the other side twice already, right? Then he decided to do it. And he was outstanding. But uh, the traction is never easy, right? You need controversy for traction sometimes. And this guy is the most solid guy. There's no controversy whatsoever. That, so I, I, that clip is probably not going to get played a lot, but that's probably one of the most like relevant points to modern society and politics anyway. It's called controversy marketing in the advertising world. Is that you, In the advertising, you intentionally pick a fight with another brand, and you try and stir up a controversy because everybody wants to watch the fight, and that's going to draw attention to your brand. It's going to cause people to take sides. It's a divide and rule thing, and it is how politics has worked since the beginning of time, really.
Yeah, like the soda wars of the eighties. The soda, the chicken wars. Remember the chicken wars of Popeye tried Popeyes and was it Popeyes that tried to start the chicken wars a few years ago? Oh uh, yeah, and that was a really good chicken sandwich. It was a great chicken sandwich. Don't ever find out how it's made because I made the unfortunate mistake of finding out what goes on behind the scenes uh, at Popeyes. But this concept uh, of th- this guy, uh, the governor. Not getting it, the attention. I mean, Trump is very open about that. He even said, you broke your leg, and that that was kind of good. I mean, he almost said that was almost a controversial thing that got you some attention, but not really enough. It's almost like you should have broke your leg and, and, and then had an affair with someone, you know, a well-known person. That would have gotten you the, the type or whatever. But, but like, I think it's, like, easy to look at this stuff on, on TV and these politicians and kind of go to our default brain of there being normal, truthful people. When they're not, they all have this kind of, what controversy can I create to draw attention away from others and to myself so that I can raise uh, uh, my star and, and get more funding for myself and perhaps um, have a better opportunity to get votes in whatever office I want to run for. They are always trying to cause controversy. They're a bunch of pub- uh, publicity stunt people who are in Congress and in politics. I mean, that, that's it's like nothing but people who are good at that, in my opinion. The soda wars Denver mentioned. Coca-Cola. Yeah, I remember that. So you're great at that. You're great at causing controversy. In fact, I encourage people to read your books all the time, Mr. President. Uh, especially, what was your first one called again? Uh, the Art of the Deal. Art of the Deal. And I don't, a lot of people don't like to read it because they're like, oh, they don't, because they'll be kind of turned off uh, if they don't like you. But especially some of my progressive friends, I said, you should read The Art of the Deal. You give amazing advice in The Art of the Art of the Deal. And when you read it and then you see the way that you act, you act exactly like what you describe in The Art of the Deal. Well, your friends sound, you know, like pseudo intellectuals. Yeah, very you know, the gay, pseudo intellectual. The problem with wise men is, uh, <laughs> they they think that they're wise. You know that they've got nothing to learn. They think that they have learned all that they're all that can be learned, and that anybody who tells them otherwise is beneath them. Yeah, and you know what those you know what I call those people fools. Full gay, gay fools. Gay fools. Yeah, exactly. That I would love to see uh, a campaign talking point. Stop listening to the gay fools. Not to be misinterpreted with actual gay people. I think that's a that's a problem that the LGBT, not the LGBT, not, not that community, the the divide the people who are trying to divide society would like everybody to believe that if you call someone a gay fool, that you're being homophobic. You're not. You just somebody's being gay and stupid because that's how they are. It's nothing to do with homosexuality, right, Mr. President? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mr. You President. Know, you should be able to. It's a free country. Say what you want to say. Say what you want. Do do who you want. Have you ever experimented outside of um, heteronormative relationships? No, I haven't. Have you ever thought about it? No. What would you do if Barron came to you and, and said that, he is no longer heteronormative. I'd still love him. You know, he's, he's barren. You know, he's like a giant bear. Yeah, he's like 18 feet tall. He's, he's Nephilim. 
You know, if, right. if I didn't love him, he might uh, he might be the one to assassinate me. Right. You don't even know what his genitalia is because we don't understand Nephilim. Can't can't get close enough to him. This is probably I think this next clip is like my favorite clip here. Yeah, this is the best one actually. Um, so you you talk about the president does uh, Trump. He brings up how Melania went to uh, Jimmy Carter's wife's funeral recently, a few months ago. Jimmy Carter's like in his late nineties. His wife just died. I don't know. If, did you see? You see the videos uh, of that funeral and Jimmy Carter. He he looks. I mean, he, he looks like he's on his last leg. It, it's one of the. It, I mean, makes you feel sad, but he also lived uh, a long life. But you bring up how Melania went to that funeral. But you bring it up for kind of a, a strange a, to make a, a, a point that's uh, pretty funny. <laughs> you know, my wife attended the funeral two months ago of Rosalind Carter, and it was beautiful. And Jimmy Carter was there. And I thought to myself, Jimmy Carter is happy now because he will go down as being a brilliant president by comparison to Joe Biden. He'll be a brilliant president. It's gonna be, he's gonna be known as brilliant, brilliant by comparison. So is this true? You were watching, you were watching Rosalind Carter's funeral. They've been married like 70 years. Jimmy Carter's 98 years old. He's, he's in this big wheelchair and kind of tipped over almost. And you're looking at him going, this guy is, is happy now. <laughs> he's happy at his wife's funeral because he's thinking about how bad Biden is and how good it makes his presidency look. <laughs> yeah, his legacy, you know, he knows that he's on his way out. He knows he's on his way out. He's going to go from being the dumbest president to the second dumbest president. <laughs> that's the funniest. I think that is, uh, that's going to be under uh, recognized as for me, the funniest clip that I've ever heard. I was watching, uh, I was watching, uh, Melania went to the funeral, she died. You know, I saw Jimmy Carter there. And I'm thinking he's so happy now. <laughs> he's at his wife's funeral. But he's happy because Biden is terrible. This is this is like a, a truly Trumpian brilliant moment for me. I appreciate it. I, I just wish that, um, I wish I could get more of that. Denver says Chattanooga has much rich history, uh, not to mention it was the homeland of the Cherokee. I must have missed some of the conversation uh, going on here. Um, Aram says Coke, oh, we're talking about the Coke versus Pepsi wars. Coke had an advantage of the cocaine that they used to have in there, obviously. I mean, I guess that's why people like Coke. Frighten Me says that politicians are fake and gay. Uh, Stella Brings up the Club of Foam, which is, I believe is a reference to the Club of Rome. Are you familiar with the Club of Rome, Mr. President? Uh, please uh, enlighten me. Enlighten you. The Club of uh, Rome, I believe, is that the the Club of, is that the 300? Is that what that is? Um, Spartans? Well, somewhat like the Spartans. There's, uh, there's a book, I've read this book years ago, that is it partly about the club of Rome? Hold on. So the club of Rome is a not, it's of course it's a nonprofit. They all are. It's a group of intellectuals and business leaders whose goal is to discuss critical global issues. It's another CFR world economic forum type group, but do any of you guys watching remember the book 
that the guy wrote years ago that he exposed or claimed to expose, which I, I read his book and I listened to his talks and he seems pretty legit to me. It, the uh, um, just kind of the the, se- the dark seediness of the Club of Rome and the 300 people that they have through the Club of Rome and, and other organizations that control the world. The trilaterals. The trilaterals, yeah. I can't remember the name of it. There's a great, there's a great YouTube video on it. You should, you would actually love this YouTube video. Let me see if I can find it. Club of Rome, uh, 300 conspiracies. It might be removed from YouTube now. Yes. Uh, new report of the Club of Rome. Okay, no, it's the Committee of 300, the Club of Rome, Dr. John Coleman. That's what it is. I'll yeah, put the this- Committee of 300, the Trilaterals, Build-A-Bear, all yeah. that. Build-A-Bear. Yeah, Build-A-Bear is one of the most corrupt organizations. Yeah, Build-A-Bear is very corrupt, you know. It's yeah. very, very corrupt. Every time I ever went to uh, Gwinnett Place Mall and I walked past, I would see Klaus Schwab doing a Build-A-Bear. Well, you know, they, they, they put all kinds of things and surveillance equipment inside of those bears. He's filling those things with little microphones and cameras, every single one of them. That's not the only thing Klaus Schwab fills it with, though. No, he, he puts his penis in there, too. It's yeah, disgusting. that's what I'm implying. Exactly. Yeah, no, right. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people were shocked by that, but he had on a, a he, he, he was masquerading as someone who worked there, and they just thought that that's how you finish the bear. Is with his penis. Oh, he finished it. the bear already. <laughs> uh, here's the build bears better, says Stella. Let's build bears better. Uh, there's the link to that video if you guys want to check it out. I'll put it in Rockfin also. It, it's really it's very interesting, and you know I I question uh, I always ask questions about that stuff too. But man, these people in these groups. So part of me is like, how many of the people that are in some of these groups are actually? trying to actively engage in world domination uh, versus just liking being a part of this group of, uh, of international wealthy people elitist and getting the benefits of that. Cause I think in any group, whether it's world people trying to dominate the world or uh, an improv theater, there's going to be a bunch of people that claim to be all about it but only a small number of people in that group are going to be actively trying to further the goals of the group. What do you think? No, so it's like, uh, it's like the Masons, you know, versus the Masons you don't. Is that what you're saying? It's just that, well, maybe it's just the, in any group, the people that are actively carrying things forward is a very small percentage of people. It's like there's the rule of uh, 2080, 20% 20% versus 80%, 20% of the people in any group carry the other 80%. Well, you know, when you look at the World Economic Forum, you only see the, the six guys sitting up there or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. And Klaus Schwab is, I think Klaus Schwab is probably, judging by some of the clips I've seen thus far from, you know, the world, the Davos World Economic Forum meetings going on right now, Mr. President? You're not there. I guess you weren't invited. Yeah, they only invited me once. You know, this year the theme is rebuilding trust because yeah, they, have, well, you know, uh, they put out videos talking about how they're not the Illuminati, which only the Illuminati would have to put out videos saying they're not the Illuminati. I, I, I see that. I know the video you're talking about. I played it on the show. I see that video and I'm like, is, is this, are they trolling us? You know, I look like I'm really going down on that microphone right now. You <laughs> 
do. Yes, you do. That's a great observation. Let's continue the clip so we can change that image. If the fake news would become real and honest news, 90% of our problems in this country would be solved. They would Absolutely. Be solved. That's a really underestimated point or understated. It's not just the media lies to people. The media lies to people with consequence. They, they convince people that a reality is not true, that a reality is true that is completely fabricated. And based on this fabricated reality, that a certain group of people are enemies and a threat to them and democracy, and that a certain set of solutions like a vaccine that's been untested uh, that was rushed through, which, you know, I know the Operation Warp Speed was a little bit year. It was, you know, you, you still brag about yeah, that. It was my idea. It was, and a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people would uh, prefer you to push back on that, but I think right now with the messaging, because people are so divided and ruled, I think that's going to get lost underneath all of that. I don't think it will even come up personally because Biden's certainly not going to bring that up. Nobody's going to bring that up. But they, they just convince people to have these radical, extreme, hateful views of others and these fucking committed, without question, beliefs about other certain things they're well, just hey, completely false. You know, it's it's okay to to riot and uh, have your mostly peaceful protests, burning down your cities, creating jazzes. But uh, the police let a bunch of people into the Capitol building, and somebody puts their balls on Nancy Pelosi's podium, and you right. know, they get yeah. sent to Gitmo. Yeah, they teabagged her her podium, and they, and they got Gitmo for it. And you know, you know, Pelosi loved it. Pelosi's been dying to have somebody teabag her podium for 40 years. Pelosi, by the yeah, way, you, I, know, you know, Paul Pelosi ain't doing it. He's not teabagging. He can't do that anymore. You know, maybe when he's in his well, 20s. He the first, like, he, he was always teabagging somebody else anyway. He's teabagging some dude in a, a trailer. Some suggest. I, I don't have any personal knowledge of it. I, uh, the only thing that I know about Nancy Pelosi, and I like to make sure to reiterate this, is that there's proof that she looks exactly like AOC naked. Deep state Nancy. Deep state well, Nancy. Well, you know, they're clones. They're clones, They're Brad. clones. They're clones that they, they put a different head on. So they just brought the clones out, and they popped two different heads on them. So uh, Tits McGee on Rockfin says that Ron is an effing idiot. He's like a little Marco Rubio bot. Well, yeah, you know, Mar right, I can see that. Marco Rubio yeah, just endorsed really you. I can that name. Tits McGee. Tits McGee. Yeah, no, it's a good name. Rubio did endorse you recently. Do you remember the videos of Rubio or alleged videos of Rubio were at uh, like a what was called like a, a gay foam club in Miami back when he was running? Were, were those real? Do you, do you remember that? Uh, I, I don't remember the foam club, but, uh, you know, he's so small. Yeah, no, the, the belief by some is that uh, Rubio is gay and that there is this video evidence of him in Miami partying with these dudes at what is called a foam club, I think, where they just, it's a, I believe it's a gay bar where they just pump all this foam into the room and these dudes just like, I don't know what they do under that the. That can't be good for your skin. 
no, it's definitely, it makes you, it ages you by years, but it's a hell of a party. I, I don't know. Uh, Frighten me says Rubio wishes he had thought of lifted boots. <laughs> Maybe. Is Rubio short also? Hey, he's tiny. Is it? Is that's it? Why, that's why I call him Little Marco Rubio. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the same in politics as as it is in Hollywood, where everybody's like five five and five six. Is that what's going on? Yeah, they're all Tom Cruise size. And you're six. What are you six two? Yeah. Baron's seven eight. Yeah, he's gonna play basketball whether he likes it or not. <laughs> Baron can probably clean the gutters at Mar-a-Lago without a ladder. You know, I hear those Atlanta Hawks need some help. They should get Baron. The Hawks should draft Baron because they're absolutely terrible right now. I mean, they're the worst. They won against the Spurs, though. They almost they blew a thirty. They almost, they almost they blew. Were you were at that game, and I was watching it with our friend Ridgeway, and they almost blew it. I started to root for them to blow it because they've gotten so bad. It's just so painful to be a fan of any Atlanta sports team. Honestly, I, if I could switch off the part of my brain that made me root for certain teams like Georgia Tech, because I have to say this, and I've said this before, there's no more painful experience in life than going through, being, going through life being a Georgia Tech fan. You know, you're just a glutton for punishment, Brad. Which is why your your millions of fans, you know, should be uh, they should be tipping you, and they should be uh, going to your your Venmo or whatever the kids are calling it these days, and well, giving you money for all the pain that you've suffered your entire life being a Georgia Tech fan. But that pain is not recognized by the government. I, being a Georgia Tech fan, it should, but it's not part of a DEI program. I, you know, I'm a minority as a Georgia Tech fan. There's very few of us, but nobody recognizes us. We're an oppressed minority. And look, I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to be offensive, but I didn't choose to be a Georgia Tech fan. I wasn't born a Georgia Tech fan. I became a Georgia Tech fan in those early years before my critical mental skills developed. And it was just socialized onto me. And by the time I could ward it off, there's nothing that I could do. So look, all I'm saying yeah, is, now you're, now you're a pariah. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's nobody's being a Georgia Tech fan is like, uh, you know, I I just I assume what being gay would be like. It's just the oppression that you feel. Are, are you a fan of a sports team? You know that's uh, that must be very difficult for you, Brad. It's hard. It's been you know, very that's, difficult. That's why I'm saying. You know, like, yeah, yeah. They should be tipping you for your, uh, for your, uh, uh, mental health. Uh, I don't want, yeah, no, no, that's know, very kind of you. I'm just going to, going to a, uh, a therapist because those aren't usually covered under insurance. I, you know, and I see all these, I see yeah. all these women who like to say false things about people and then turn it into a scam for Venmo. So Venmo just take scam, a page yeah. out of their book. I should do a Venmo scam about. Being a George Tech fan, yeah, and then tell them how, uh, how you know you need that for your therapy. I've been barked at my entire life by people I know and strangers who are Georgia Bulldog fans. Uh, yeah, they just I could do out. a GoFundMe scan. I don't know. All right, moving on. A couple more clips here, uh, then then we'll get out of here. I don't know exactly what these are, but we'll see here, right here. And you know, it's very interesting. I didn't know they called it early. I I thought that. They called it at about 10 o'clock. My impression, see this gentleman? We built, he's dressed like a wall. I love this guy. He goes to, 
he's been at 150 rallies probably, right? So, again, this is another, like, good – I don't mean to harp on this, but Ron DeSantis should be watching this. This is what Ron DeSantis should have been doing instead of just trying to get through that speech, reacting to what's in front of him in the moment. Ron DeSantis needs to take an improv class. He has the most beautiful outfit I've ever seen. It's all beautiful brick. Will you come up here? Just come up here. Come on. It's so nice. Yeah, go on up there. Come on. Come on up here. He's emblematic of what we did. We built over 500 miles of wall. We were going to add another 200 miles. It's much more than we promised. And we had the safest border in the history of our country. Now we have the worst border in the history of the world. Look at this, man. Congratulations. Really nice. So there he is, the guy wearing the jacket that looks like a border wall. So this tells you, you can go to Trump rallies dressed like a lunatic. You can go make yourself into a border wall or whatever other uh, policy that he's promoting. And you might get called up on stage because he calls everybody up on stage. It's, it's great. It, it, and this is what I'm talking about. about Look at make, Don Jr. back there. He loves it. On. Right. No, yeah. One of the five o'clock shadow. You know, he really needs to clean himself up. I tell him that every day. You don't like the the beard. You know, I tell him every day. I'm like, Don, you know, you should really you should really uh, take better care of the way you look. You know, people are going to think that you're some type of hoodlum. No, he does. He looks like he might rape you on the subway. You're right. I've never seen you with him. You know, he looks like a cocaine dealer over there. Yeah, he's probably selling cocaine to his brother over there. Yeah, with the same five o'clock shadows. Taking, like, look at me. They're both. Look yeah, at me. You, I stay clean cut. Probably trying to force a five o'clock shadow on seven foot eight Baron. That's the last thing you need. Yeah, I don't need them uh, giving him a five o'clock shadow. So any word says a brick, brick would actually be cool, like building an actual brick wall <laughs> between the U.S. and Mexico. <laughs> That's funny. But this is what I'm talking about, though. Maybe these things are plants. They're not all plants. Some of them are definitely plants. Some of them are definitely not all of them. But well, you know, I'm like uh, I'm like the Grateful Dead of politicians. People just follow me around. They get their little VW RVs and they, they follow they me do. around. Little Trump heads on top of them. They have, yeah, selling their merchandise. They have bobbleheads of you there, and. People, even if this is a plant, people in the audience see this and it makes them feel like like you like you care. Where DeSantis is like irritated by the crowd. Or like I, you said, hey, I could go to a Trump rally dressed as a lunatic and they'll call me up on stage. I feel like I could go dress at the Trump rally, I could wear a giant dick that just has Biden across the chest. And you would stop in the middle of your speech and go, there's a big dick out there with Biden. Yeah, Biden's a big dick. Come up on stage, you big Biden dick. I feel like you would invite me up. Well, you know, I might get censored a little bit more by television that way, but it's true. You know, sure. Denver Attaway says Georgia Tech played UGA hard in football this year. One of the toughest challenges they had all season. I agree. And some say Alabama took Tech's strategy and defeated Georgia with it. But it just saddens me that that's the best I'll ever get for the rest of my life when it comes to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech brought their football team out to halftime of a basketball game this year. And celebrated the football team because the football team finished six and six in the regular season. UGA, if they finish six and six, 
they'd shoot everybody on their football team. Every single one of them would be dead. Just look at how they got rid of Mark Rick. <laughs> Poor Mark. I like Mark Rick. He's actually very sweet. nice man. Very nice man, from what I've heard. I he know is. a lot of people yeah. that have met him. Apparently, he's a really nice man. He went. His daughters went to school with my nieces, my brother's daughters, and he's like the nicest guy ever. Nice to see you, man. You take care of yourself, okay? I love that outfit. I love him. <laughs> That's great. We love it. You are a great party host. I think Trump is just like, would be the best. He, he should sell his services as party host and he would make millions upon millions of dollars. I, I If I could afford it, I'd be like, I'm hiring Trump as party host. That's a hot selling jacket, by the way. So. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Great honor. Thank you very much. Okay, so this is Trump ending his uh, speech. And we saw DeSantis. He abruptly ended it. Watch what Trump does. I won't play the whole thing. But it's very different than the way DeSantis left his much. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I'm not going to let it play on, but what happens is is Trump stands there and he claps and he does the same thing he did at the beginning. He 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 makes eye contact, communicates with people in the crowd, and he lets the song play out before he walks out, fist bumping and, and shaking hands. It's just like the value of a little bit of of recognition of of performance and connecting with those in front of you. It's almost like DeSantis thinks that he can just deliver a speech straight to TV and not give a shit about the people in front of him, and it'll be fine. But it it actually translates when you care about the crowd in front of you and maybe in four years, I'm a soul man, Brad, you're a soul man. Absolutely. You're a soul man. You're, you probably got notices telling you to stop using that song. I think everybody, you know, every, yeah. Dan Aykroyd is a very, uh, very diligent man. Yeah. So I want to ask you what this was real quick. Cause I did notice something that happened there. Like, look what you did here. Yeah. What, what's going on with your fist there? What are you doing with that motion? Let's see if I'm. Are you trying to say I'm jerking somebody off? <laughs> I, it may be. Let me do a little slow motion here. Let's get it back a couple couple seconds. Here you go. Very much. Let's just see. Look at that. It looks like you might be. It looks like you might be jerking someone off. I'll be jerking the country off. That's for sure. <laughs> Is that your slogan? You know, it's been a long time since this country has felt pleasure. Right. <laughs> and we're definitely an America first campaign. That, right. I think that you just came up with the. the you know, best. what I don't understand, though, is, is what what's wrong with America first? You know, like and most normal people hear that. And they understand what it means that we're going to put the country first. We're going to take care of us, you know, like uh, like when you get on the airplane, we're gonna we're gonna put the oxygen mask on before we put the oxygen mask on Venezuela. Uh, well, yeah, but they, they you have, talk, yeah. you're right. You talk to these people, and for whatever reason, it's evil. It's it is it's racist the way that they've characterized America first because they try to associate it with. What uh, what was the guy's name from the forties, uh, World War Two? Very rich guy. I can't remember his name, but 
They, they try to associate anybody who says maybe care about domestic issues before sending taxpayer dollars against people's will to Ukraine as racist. Like everything is identity politics, every single thing. And the, the couple, these couple, these last few clips here actually illustrate this identity politic angle because and what, what I race learned, are Ukrainians, by the way? Ukrainians are, are white, blonde haired, blue eyed. Uh, um, right, very, so very good looking. They're cuckazoids. Right. They're cuckazoids. All of them are cuckazoids. You say, yeah. That's why Putin invaded them. He can't stand cuckazoids. You know, there's only there's really only three races. Can you hear me right now? My my computer just froze. I, I can I can hear you. You just okay. look frozen. Yeah. So my yeah my image just froze. My computer's it's all my computer's freaking out like DeSantis uh, being heckled. But I think it's getting back now. All right. So, all right. Uh, like you can't say that something's racist against Ukrainians. Ukrainians aren't a race. Right. But but it, it's racist though to be anti-Ukrainian and pro and America first by say, and it's, and it's not even so they try to give these labels to people. You're America first or whatever. No. How about just I, I don't support the narrative around the Ukraine-Russia war. Like, I've watched enough think tanks where I've seen enough of these people at the Chatham House and the, the Brookings Institute and the, and the CFR openly admit that NATO encroached, they intentionally encroached on Russia to provoke them to going into Ukraine. Like, I, I, they've actually openly talked about that. And I don't support this type of, like, war where we pretend that that we and the people or the people we're supporting through proxy are fighting a war of defense when we very obviously provoked it. it well, it's the, Yeah, it's bullshit. We wouldn't even be dealing with this if Biden wouldn't have stolen the election. And that, that is what you said in that speech today, too. And I, and I wonder if, if, if that, you know, if you come out and you actually do in these wars, like you say you do, if you're able to make your presidency, then... I think that would be a testament to uh, your ability, and I wonder if the media would even a- acknowledge it if it happens. Like you know, after the purge, it might happen. What's the purge? Cecil you know, Rhodes. It's yeah. Just another. It's just another word for the storm. Oh, I see. So uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. Is that who it is? No, why do you keep? You keep. You know, you 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 do the same thing they do, Brad. You. You're bringing in the most ridiculous what, thing. What, what, and, so the, and you're tedeckening, you're tedeckening the, the Q experience. I'm, I'm tedeckening. I'm John, John maddening the whole. I'm just conflating it with something that, that it's not. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you, that's exactly what I'm saying. You're taking the thing that, that's the most ridiculous. So people who say the storm is coming are not saying that John F. Kennedy Jr. is is that who it is? What, what this one of the John ones that Kennedy are, Jr. Yeah, the one that Elaine was in love with. The one that Elaine was in love with from Seinfeld, who died. Right, very nice crash. man. Very nice man. You're uh, not saying that he's that you're going to bring him back as your vice president when you say the storm is coming. Is that correct? I, you know, I'd, I'd love for that to be the case. I'd love for him to be Batman. You know, it's it's very apropos. Uh, it's something I would have done, you know. I would have, uh, I would have faked my own death if they would have killed my parents too. Uh, but wait, wait for for decades, and then you would have waited. 
Yeah, I would have waited for somebody like me to come along. That's very interesting. That's that's patience. I mean, you know, there's uh but but you know, not every not every Q watcher, you know, is uh are the people that are saying that uh that Kennedy's coming back, you know, that aliens, yada yada yada. Well, well what are they saying? Back. Tell us what they're saying. What look, uh you have Q and then you have the Anons. It's two separate. The Anons ones. are the ones who could be anybody buddy in the water. Uh, so like FBI agents undercover coming in to make you guys the other ones look bad. Yeah, like the uh like like the uh, uh umbrella man. The umbrella from the JFK assassination. Well, not only from the JFK assassination, but you saw him walking around in the in the the summer of love. Looks very suspicious. So you think it was the same umbrella man? <laughs> I'm not saying it's the same. See, now you're doing it again, Brad. You're doing it again. <laughs> At the George the Floyd riots and the JFK assassination, there was the same umbrella man signaling chaos. I mean, it, it, it could, it might be, you know, but but I don't think it is. <laughs> It might be. I, I like. I don't. I think anything could be possible. It'd be great if, it, like, I would love if it was the same umbrella man because that would mean we would have like a real life smoking man from uh, X Files. Yeah, you love those X Files. You don't like X Files. I love them. I don't, it's not that I don't like the X Files. I just I can't go back to watching them. It's not Come like on. 24. You know, I could watch 24 over and over and over you, again. You love to watch Jack Bauer torture. The husband of his ex-wife. You know, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, I need more people like Jack Bauer working for us. Would you fill your entire staff with Jack Bowers if you could? I mean, maybe not the staff, but I sure would fill security departments with him. I would too. The guy can kill anybody. He can kill absolutely anybody. It's unbelievable. He's also the only one who can effectively use torture. Right, yeah, <laughs> he doesn't, and nobody ever stops him from doing it, which is great. Um, all right, we'll get out of here in a minute. I, let me, I want to play these last couple of clips because, though. because it's Nikki Haley, and Nikki Haley says some pretty like wild bullshit. It's, it's a couple minutes of this, let me get your thoughts on it. We deserve a president who will focus on the needs. That's the wrong one, sorry. That I mean, that's also a good one, but I want to make sure you hear all of them. Or maybe that was the right one. Who is that guy? That guy behind you over your right shoulder who's got that shit-eating grin on his face. You see what I'm talking about? Don't trust that guy. Do you see what I'm talking about there with that guy? Yeah, the guy over the right. Yeah, let me get it back to that image. Oh, damn it. Now, that guy looked like he was up to something to me. And then there was another guy who was over your other shoulder. Like, who are all of these people? This this gaggle of white dudes behind you. Who the fuck are these people? <laughs> you know, I just... Uh, uh, you know, white people like to follow me around. So Right. So you got the guy on the right with a shit-eating grin clapping. And then look over to the left with a bald guy who looks like he's staring at that guy with a shit-eating grin. Like he wants to murder him. Oh, then look at the weirdo in front of the bald guy with that weird smile on his face. Yeah, he, yeah. What is he? he looks like he's looking at a fucking lollipop or something that he's been, uh, you know, horny for. This is a collection of people you have behind. Uh, may I suggest you um, 
get some people of color behind you, Mr. President. You know, I can't make people of color follow me around. I, I, or some women. <laughs> uh, women is too tempting, Brad. So you can't, yeah, it would. It's just too hard not to grab them by the P, right? When you know, especially while, uh, while Melania's out of town, you know, it's, She's like taking said, care of you. Yeah, right. Grab them by the P. Right. Yeah. You tell Melania you're going home to take care of your mom. Just don't blame me if I grab a few women by the P while you're gone. Yeah. And you can't say the word anymore, you know, because then you're a misogynist. You're anti. Yeah. You're misogynist. You're anti racist. All right. So here's Nikki Haley saying ridiculous. Shit. I mean, some truly ridiculous shit. I can safely say tonight. Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. So that was very interesting because Haley finished third. (laughs) Well, maybe she's talking about uh, a two-person race between me and Biden. Um, Well, maybe, but she seems to imply with with her speech that it's you and her. So she's just writing off DeSantis. And I haven't seen DeSantis respond to this, but if I'm DeSantis and she's going around and she has actually retweeted this and she's doubling down on, even though she finished third, and even though she only... Well, you was, know, her finishing third is one of the DeSantis lies that come. Right, but she only was close to DeSantis because half of her voters were were Democrats. So take those away, she's not even close. And yet she's she's acting like DeSantis is a pussy who's out of the race. He DeSantis needs to come back hard at her. Like if I'm DeSantis, I, I'm roasting the the hell out of her. But he's not well, doing you know, that. DeSantis, he doesn't have uh, he doesn't have that good a win. He needs to do that. Here she continues. When I say more of the same, you know what I'm talking about. Do we? It's both Donald Trump and Joe Biden. They have more in common than you think. So she goes on to talk about what you guys have more in common, which is age. So she she's ageist, which you'll hear a clip of her in a second. But it is just interesting to me to hear someone who – and again, I, I, I reiterate this because the media is not talking about it at all. Half of her support, her voters in Iowa were Democrats, and here she is claiming that – Trump and Biden have more in common, despite the fact that Biden supporters are the only reason that it looked like she was in any way competitive. She's so full of shit. She's so full of shit. (laughs) Meanwhile, she's dressed like a 1950s Stepford wife. Right. And again, you can just be called racist for uh, not even knowing that she's not a, a tan white person. Like, I didn't know she wasn't a tan white person. All of a sudden, I'm racist and I'm a a birther, which the birther accusation has come up. Created by the Clintons. I know. And that I I can show you an article. There's an article because there's this Joy Reid, and you'll hear the clip at the end, said on MSNBC. We, that we need to be honest that the only reason Nikki Haley is losing, this is, I'm summing up what she said. The only reason she's losing, it has nothing to do with the fact that she is pro-globalist. She's pro-sending our money to Ukraine. She's pro-everything that Biden is. She, she actually appeals to nothing that the people whose vote she's trying to win want. Nothing. That, that has nothing to do with why people don't like her. People only don't like her because she has brown skin. And Trump is actually 
birthering her right now. And the birther accusation came up in the context of there was someone. So Trump retruthed something on True Social that this this scholar from it was an Ivy League school, a constitutional scholar posted because Nikki Haley's parents weren't born in America. And this person posted that there is if you look at the language of um, the Constitution, I think it's the 12th Amendment, then. There's an argument that Nikki Haley actually is not even eligible to run for president because her parents weren't born in the country. I, I don't know the arguments. I don't know the precedent cases. I just know that that was put out there by a, uh, what is uh, described as a constitutional scholar. And the constitutional scholars on the other side of it say that this person I is wrong. Okay, So there's two constitutional scholars on, on, on the opposite sides. Trump simply retweeted or retruthed this post. He didn't say anything. He didn't say I don't like brown people. He didn't say she was born somewhere else. He simply posted this argument that was being made, right? And because he posted that, all of a sudden, according to MSNBC, according to all these uh, media reports on, on The Guardian and, and um, what was it, uh, New York Times, Trump is birthering Nikki Haley. And then it goes in to tell about the history of birthering. And The Guardian in their telling of the history of birthering, it's very interesting when you read it. It tells you what birthering means, but it doesn't tell you what the origin of birthering is. It says birther, a birther, it was a term that was created to describe a racist conspiracy that attempts to say that Barack Obama was born in another country and wasn't eligible to be president. It never mentions that it was the Hillary Clinton campaign that that originated from. And furthermore, it also doesn't mention that the actual true origin of what they call the birther racist conspiracy is Barack Obama's own literary agent, who he continued to be represented by after all of this happened, because the whole birther conspiracy started because, and this is the story they tell, his literary agent apparently made a mistake and accidentally in multiple publications, multiple uh, professional publications that were booklets designed to advertise their clients, Barack Obama being one of them, that said that Barack Obama was born in Kenya. So you read an actual professional publication that says a person is born in a country and you believe that publication and that makes you a racist. You are to disbelieve that in order to not be a racist. And there's never been any actual legitimate explanation for why this happened. I mean, I can think of a few, but they've never actually given one. And Barack Obama kept this literary agent. And What's interesting to me is this agent who in multiple publications listed his client Barack Obama as being born in Kenya, who, who Barack Obama's dad is born in Kenya. It gets every other piece of very specific information about Barack Obama correct. There's like 12 specific details listed in this bio, which they are uh, presenting and pitching Barack Obama for various jobs as organizers probably, and it gets all of them correct except for the 
born in Kenya one. So how how is it that this happens? The, the, the person who wrote it, this is what they said. They said that in no way did Barack Obama ever say or imply that he was not born or that he wasn't born in America and that he was born in Kenya. And, and so it was an accident. But never tells us why. He just assumed he was born in Kenya. Despite the fact, how do you know all of the other details of someone's life, but not know that one thing, right? And so these are questions that should be asked, and this goes to a broader um, view of propaganda and brainwashing as a whole, is any sane person who is thinking at all would look at that whole situation about Barack Obama. I mean, nobody made it up out of thin air. It was actually in publicly available um, professionally published uh, documents. No, no, yet, if you acknowledge that, you're branded as a racist, and it continues to this day. This has been eight years now. It's never been solved or an explanation, yet people are so fucking brainwashed that if you bring up Barack Obama, you know, said he was born in Kenya, according to his own bio, by his fucking agent, and he never disputed it, and you're the bad person. And now we're bringing this about again because of a post somebody else made that Trump shared that is simply asking questions. So if you ask a fucking question at all, they just tell you you're racist. And, and people still buy this. I mean, they've been doing this for as long as I can remember. I mean, how stupid do you have to be or blind or just committed loyally to your, your fucking side to just believe that anything you don't like must be fucking racist? I, I'm getting angry about this. This whole thing really made me angry when I read that and, and heard this clip. Mr. President, your thoughts. I'm sorry. I've rambled too long with my um, vitriol. Well, you know, I just hope Hillary Clinton tries to sue me. Right. They'll never mention that Hillary, Hillary Clinton was responsible for this. So I think that's hilarious. I actually, that's a good reason to bring it up is to force them. Because when you read the article about it, the article is written. You can tell they're trying to avoid uh, including Hillary Clinton, uh, who used it in a campaign ad. She put it in a campaign ad. And I'm not even blaming her because it was a legitimate question. But all of a sudden, it became something that it wasn't. And you're going to hear. Know, you should find the campaign ad and then attach it to the uh, the truth yeah. or the tweet or whatever. Right. Yeah, I, I am going to look for that. I don't have it on me. But you are going to hear Joy Reid in a second uh, um, bring this up because that's all Joy Reid does. Identity politics is the most toxic, divisive thing uh, on the planet, in my opinion. And anybody who, who um, you know, uses it and exploits it uh, does not care about the things they say they care about. All they care about is uh, manipulation and control because that's what it's used for. It, it's awful. Trump and Biden are both about 80 years old. All right, so that I, play, I put that in there because that's a little ageism, although there was one person in the background screaming. What are your thoughts on her and your age? Uh, you know, uh, I'm, in, I'm in peak physical condition, Brad. How much do you bench? Uh, 225 pounds. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. You know, and, uh, unlike Biden, unlike Biden who can, uh, who can't even spell jello anymore. Right. You eat jello. He can't even spell it. 
Uh, and then, like, look look at her delivery on that, too. Like, she's a mean girl or something. No, she is like a mean girl. You're right. She's, she's You know, she, like, I, I think that uh, Tina Fey maybe wrote all of her speeches for her. I, I mean, this is a very mean comment she's making here. We deserve a president who will focus on the needs of our... Oh, wait, that was the wrong one. ...from common than you think. The 80 Trump years. and Biden are both about 80 years old. I mean, that is a, you see her eye roll there. And look at what she's doing with her hands. And then she does this little princess twirl afterwards. I, I feel like she goes to old folks' homes maybe once a week and, and just, you know, throat punches old people. She, she's disgusted by them. What do you think? I mean, I... You know, I, I think that uh, I think that she's a menace to society. That I mean, this is what you're you're up. She's she is laying out the argument against you right now, which is that you're old. Which what you've responded with when people talk about uh, Biden's age is he's is is you are very adamant to say Biden is not too old because you're a little bit younger than him, it, but you recognize the attacks that are coming. I think personally, but that I is mean, she didn't win the Iowa caucus by fifty no. points. No, know? she lost. She lost it, right? Yeah. How how do you finish third and you get help from the other side and you're up here saying the people who beat your ass are too old? It's, she's just an awful, awful person. She looks. We like deserve a president who will focus on the needs of our people, not on themselves. So I put that in there because that's obviously she's not obviously that. Because her top priority is sending our money to Ukraine and everywhere else to fund a foreign war. She's full of shit. It's a, it's a bullshit argument. Most importantly, we deserve a president who will stop our self-loathing and division and fear and make America strong and proud. So I, I, I included that because the other day during the debate, you probably recall, she floated make america proud again so mappa as as we identified she has appeared to alter that to make america strong and proud masp what do you think of masp her campaign strategy i mean it doesn't have a good flow to it <laughs> it does i would i would expect to see mass pats but you're right it doesn't hit as hard as maga does you know maybe she should get a bunch of masks and put masp on it it's interesting because that's definitely because the Make America Proud Again was a it wasn't an accident. That was like a a thing she was trying to do to kind of borrow that clout from from MAGA. And they clearly altered it to what she said there, which sounds like like wasp with an M. It, it just doesn't really work. All the evidence says that if. OK, so this is the biggest bullshit lie she tells. If it's a Trump Biden rematch. It's going to be another toss-up election. It could go either way. We could have more disputes over election interference. And Joe Biden could win again. Yeah, but if he goes up with her with Kamala Biden, Harris, Biden just wins. Well, here's what she says about that. Press waiting in the wings. Kamala Harris waiting in the wings. Lord help us if that happens. And then Lord look at what happens. When I go head to head against Biden, what happens, Nikki? We win 
even close. It's not even. So she's full of contradictions. And I, I mentioned this earlier, but half of her votes, I've mentioned it a number of times, were from Biden supporters on the record based on the exit or entry polling and all the stuff they did. So the person who had to rely on Biden supporters for 50 percent of her vote is claiming crossover voters is claiming that she will definitely beat Biden while you will not, which is weird because if that were the case, why would all of these Biden supporters uh, do crossover votes in support of the person who is definitely going to beat their guy against the person who their guy might actually be? It would be the other way around. If what she were saying were true, all of those 50% of people that voted for her, that half of her vote, they would have all voted for Trump if that's really what was going on. She's just full of shit. But nobody in the media points this out. What do you think about that? I mean, this is just such the polling that they use. It polls are just polls are like they were created by people who are just trying to uh, get opinion to a certain place that enabled them to do what they wanted, not to actually evaluate what opinion is and follow that. So she seems to be grabbing on to some sort of poll that enables her bullshit. I mean, whatever the poll is, is probably the same one that says Georgia is going to be a swing state again. All right. It's probably the same one up her husband's ass. Stacey Abrams' ass. Stacey Abrams probably all about that swing shit. You ever wonder where these people like Stacey Abrams go when they're not in the news for like a few months? Uh, I, you know, I can tell you, but you're not going to like it. Where? Yeah, I'd love to hear it. They're just harvesting baby's blood. That so you think they go to some sort of cave? Yeah, they go to they go to an Epstein Island like cave and they yeah. suck on their adrenal chrome and their baby's yeah. blood. They go to the tunnels underneath Congress. They just go to that pizza parlor. The one in DC. What was that guy's name? I can't remember. I can't remember the guy's name, but you're talking about the Pizzagate Pizza Parlor. Yeah, the Pizzagate Pizza Parlor. Yeah. You know, if I if I ever opened a pizza restaurant, I'm gonna name it Pizza Gate. <laughs> and, and you could name all of the different pizzas after politicians. You could have the Stacey Abrams pizza. I don't know what would be on that one. You could have the um, the Ron DeSantis, the Nikki Haley pizza, the Barack Obama. I think that could be a very popular. Right, uh, and then you you know the the most disgusting, ugliest pizza would be that little woman from Chicago. Oh, you're talking about. Beetlejuice. Yeah, Beetlejuice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she is hideous. <laughs> she may be the ugliest politician I've ever seen in my life. Does that does that speak to her uh, ability to to win votes? Like, absolutely. I don't yeah. understand why anybody would vote for somebody that ugly. It's it's maybe they feel sorry for her. When well, they see you her. know, Chicago, Chicago is uh, you know it's it's known for its corruption, Brad. I lived there Trump for a year. For all of its yeah. organized crime. I'm sure that she's some deep state implant where they were like, hey, let's make sure these ugly people get in there. Comet Ping Pong and Elefante. Yeah, Comet Ping Pong. That's the name of the place. And uh, Elefante. See, I remember that guy. 
and I had a lot of Elefante. a lot of Podesta. It was Podesta was related to Elefante that. sounds like a fake name. It probably is a fake name. He, you know, we know what he's probably doing right now. He's probably um, having uh, booth sex with. Uh, he's probably posing as a congressional staffer and having booth sex with congressmen and senators in front of those Boofing. hidden cameras. I thought that meant flatulence. That's what. <laughs> You know, I was never more surprised about a definition than I was when uh, uh, the boof word came up for the the uh, judge. What's, yeah, what's, who was what's the judge? It was again. Bleasy, Bleasy Ford. Yeah, Blasey Ford. That was said. That yeah, chick. That was what boofing means. Now, boofing means butt butt sex is what boofing means. That's uh, you know, me and Tobin always thought it meant flatulence. Right. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe he was hiding it. I, 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 you know, probably a lot of these people, they probably have to change the definition of words to protect the uh, image. You know, I'd expect him to be a lot bigger for all the working out he did with Tobin. Him and Tobin, he should bring Tobin in as like a, a, a law clerk. W- would you accept that? I mean, why not? Well, a lot of people want you to get rid of the swamp. They say you didn't do it last time. Well, I mean, everything everything is part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. Just trust the plan. Trust the plan. Yeah, of course. Trust the plan, but don't w- trust w- the W-W-1-G-A. W-W-1-G-A. All right, we got like another minute of clips. I don't know what this last one. I think this is the last one. We'll get out of here. The way the thing oh, this is Biden talking shit about you. The Trump is saying Trump is saying things that are just off the wall. He is most anti-democratic with his cap with a small D president in American history. What did he just say? It sounds like he said you had the smallest D in American history. Anti-democratic, the man with the smallest D in American history. <laughs> Wait, meanwhile, the picture they chose of him looks like he's taking a shit. <laughs> standing while he's standing up. Uh, I'm not surprised, you know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past Biden to shit standing up. <laughs> what he said, according to the text here, and he was telling um, Al Sharpton this, is that the way, the way, the things that Trump is saying, Trump is saying things that are just off the wall. He is most anti-democratic with a small D. Uh, but he's the most anti-democratic with a small D president in American history. The things he's saying, and he means them. That's they play this on uh, Biden wants to talk about the size of D's. That's fine. (laughs) You know, I'll tell you what, man, my D is a lot bigger than his D. Just look at the size of my hands. Are you speculating or have you seen his? I mean, who hasn't seen Biden's D? That's true. We've all seen Hunter's, so we can only speculate. I mean, pretty obvious what his might be like. Again, I always, whenever it's tragic to think about Hunter because. I just always wonder what Hunter's life would be like had his dad also showered with him when he was 14, you know? Could have been a totally different drug-free path. Do you think that saved his daughter from drugs? I mean, probably. Yeah, that's probably how the cops came over. Like, why are you showering with your daughter? She wrote it in her diary, and she's never denied it. And he's like, I'm showering with her. He was like, I was, I was, uh, 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 right. uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> Trump. 
Right. And the cops are like, oh, obviously, yeah, he, no, I'll train. The cops are like, well, you know, he's trying to prevent her from falling into a pathway of drugs and, and Trump is a Nazi. Anyway, so he's just being a good father. So I do feel sorry for Hunter, though. I, this is the final clip. I'm not sure what this is. He's most anti-democratic with his cap with a small D president in American history. Yeah. Yes, but she still has to have a Okay, so this is the one I was telling you earlier where Joy Reid, who who Scott Adams actually pointed out is wearing a wig that looks like a Trump wig. She points out how racist it is to not vote for Nikki Haley. To winning in those states that are more like Iowa than New Hampshire. And I think so- what do you think of Jen Psaki, by the way? I can't stand her. I did you were you on the show where I pulled up the article that asked the question, is Jen Psaki the hottest woman in American politics. I think we, I think I was. I remember this. And I'll go ahead and tell you, she's not. <laughs> she's not. Agreed. She's absolutely not. I mean, no, Melania is no. the hottest woman in American politics. Of course. Good answer. Good answer. And then the, the second hottest is Ivanka. The second hottest is Ivanka. She's very good looking as well. I would like, you know, if Jared Kushner ever, if they're ever on the outs, you know, Call me. I'll 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 give Ivanka a call if that was okay with you. You know, if, if that ever happens, Brad, I'd love to welcome you into the family. You know, <laughs> that's uh, we're all about family here. Yeah, it's the elephant in the room, and they're not talking about Chris Christie. She's still a brown lady. Ooh, hi. That's got to try to win in swing. a party that is deeply anti-immigrant and which accepts the notion that you can say immigrants are poisoning the blood of our country. And that you're She's saying getting... that's the woman who's wearing my hair? Yeah, that's the one who has your haircut. What is that? I mean, it looks like a hat. Well, why did they... What? what, what why is I it... Feel... There's one part like that's some... just longer than the rest of everything right there. No, it, it, it looks like she was on her way to work and she was late and she's like, oh, f- shit, I, I forgot. I forgot my hair. And then she pulled off to the nearest, like, I didn't Asian... know MSNBC was hiring drag queen story time. <laughs> Look at her jacket, too. Her jacket looks like it's from the 1970s. And what is this picture? Uh, of the picture of the pimp at the side with the guy... The guy who's like writing. So that's the big board. They have the big board in the corner that is mapping all of the districts to see who's winning. Yeah, it's yeah, a white that, guy. You're right. You're right. That, uh, that Rachel Maddow set does look like uh, Colbert. But when Colbert was doing his, uh, his uh, uh, Bill uh, Riley thing. His Bill Riley impersonation? Yeah, you know, when he was all about America and he was when actually he was fun, back funny. Back when he was funny. Yeah, he was actually funny. But but her look here, it's all it's like she was late to work and she had to go on air immediately, and somebody just said, Oh shit, throw she throw this on top of her and, and, and like it could fall off at any minute. And give her that hobo's jacket. Yes, could <laughs> take that jacket off that obo. And, and and she has, I have to say, she has a confidence to go on with that outfit, which that's probably on purpose, actually. I, I bet that they intentionally made her look like that so that people would criticize her because they I mean, knew she that looks pe- like She looks like uh, one of the, the uh, 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 an anchor from uh, a Frank Miller comic book. 
what's Frank, what's a Frank Miller comic book? What they write? Uh, like the Batman uh, Dark Knight Returns. Oh the yeah, dystopic yeah. 1980s one that they uh, make Reagan look like a zombie. Uh, she looks like a, a a longtime waitress at the Waffle House who's going on her first job interview for a, a real business in 20 years is what she looks oh, like. Oh, yeah. She was definitely a waffle butt waitress. She's a She loved waffle butt. And I think I bet they did that so that because they knew people were going to be paying attention to her because of the shit she's saying here, where she's just totally saying the only reason Nikki Haley didn't win is because she's a brown person. And that would draw criticism by about how she looks. So they could then say all the people criticizing her. Oh yeah, are, you're are a racist. racist because you yeah. said she looked like a clown. It, it, it's it's such a. This is what we're talking about. With like everybody's a, a provocateur is, you can put on a fucking yellow wig that's not even fit right, and it's longer on one side. You're right on the left side. It, it's just it's clearly a fake wig or fake hair that's not even cut right. It's clearly a fucking thrift store jacket. I don't even know what those earrings are, but it, just put clown makeup on somebody, stick a, a dildo on their forehead that sticks out, and have them go try and deliver news seriously and call the opposition racist bigots and just wait for people to criticize you, justifying and their wax racist all of our eyebrows out and then draw them back on. Yeah. They should have a dildo sticking out from her forehead that while Jen Psaki and Rachel Maddow are speaking, she it keeps bumping into their head. I don't she, understand. Who wrote that article about Jen Psaki being hot? Whoever it was does not have a penis. I don't I, I don't know what his genitalia is, but he included Bobert and Nancy Mace as a couple of the others, which are I they are good. Bobert. I can see yeah. Bobert. I think everybody would like to go to a, a musical with Bobert. I mean, was AOC not on that list? She's got AOC? those crazy eyes, but you know, she's got those those yeah. big uh, Nancy Pelosi the Nancy Pelosi honkers. Yeah, she's got the Nancy Pelosi body, and Nancy Pelosi's got to be thinking, man, if you could just see me naked, I'm just like. Yeah, AOC. if you would have seen me 80 years ago. Yeah. When I was 22. I, I bet Paul Pelosi is constantly. Trying to pull his wang out in front of AOC. You know, Nancy Pelosi's just a, a terrible human being. It, it what if you if it were if it would end the war in Ukraine and the conflict or the war between Hamas and Israel? Don't say anything bad about Israel, by the way. If it would end all those wars, if you had uh, sexual intercourse with Nancy Pelosi, would you end the wars? I mean the. You know, the wars are going to come to an end anyway, but sure, yeah. Yeah, why not, right? You know, why not? Yeah, we're, you know, this is, uh, this is the final battle. Right, right, yeah. I mean, even if, even if it wouldn't end the wars, you know, you'd, you'd do that just in case. Yeah, because she was hot 80 years ago. 80 Brad. years I've, ago, I've right. i seen the pictures. And so that's what you do. You do it when she's 80, and then you tell, you tell your friend, you say, look at her when she was 20. This is the girl I hooked up with. You know, you transfer that clout. That's what some people might do. Uh, but I can't get over this wig here, uh, nor this description. And let's listen to her words if we can. I mean, that is an awful jacket. Look at that compared to the other outfits on, is on this stage. Is nothing but women on this dais? There is. That's very two, sexist. There's two guys. So they have the black woman with the the clown outfit and, and clown hair in the middle. 
And then they have uh, two chicks to her right. And then they have uh, Stephen Colbert, Rachel Maddow to her left. And then Chris Hayes, who's also Stephen Colbert and Rachel Maddow. And then some Ari Miller or, or Ari something, uh, a couple of gay dudes, basically. But notice how they put the most colorful. I mean, this looks like a Freaknik outfit. It's just, it's just the strangest loud outfit. There's no way there was not planning involved. And, and everybody else is wearing the same color. You notice that? Every single person except her. But yet her outfit and fake hair is like blaring in your face. Because she is the clip that has been shareable all day. She's the one that said the most outrageous thing, so let's put her in the most outrageous outfit. She's still a brown lady that's got to try to win in a party that is deeply anti-immigrant and which accepts the notion that you can say immigrants are poisoning the blood of our country. She's getting... I want to take this back. So you look at these, these two chicks here looking at her. So she's saying ridiculous shit. And these two are just looking at her like she's not saying ridiculous shit. And like she doesn't look like a clown. <laughs> I mean, I right. think that's the most impressive thing right there is that she looks like it's, a clown. It's great acting, too. It's very great acting. Well, like, are who says the that immigrants country? are poisoning the blood of America? You said that, Mr. President, during a speech. Not, I'm talking about illegal immigrants. <laughs> not people yes. that come through the right way, through the, the legal process. They're not, right. And they're not, they won't differentiate between any of that. You know, they act like the most terrible people on earth are the, the, the ones that are sneaking, uh, sneaking in, you know, like. Uh, yeah, yeah. Those people aren't going to go through Ellis Island. No, they won't. Go you know, why that, can't, no. why can't they do it? Why can't they do it? What are you telling me that? Mexicans are too stupid to immigrate the right way. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. Exactly. They're the racists. I know. That's just like when they said that they use the example that Trey Young would not be able, would not know how to get his uh, um, ID identification to vote because he, he's too stupid to, to do that. I mean, the guy that has, he makes like, what, $15 million a season, but he's too stupid because he's black to be able to figure out how to get his ID and go vote. I mean, they actually use Trey Young as an example of someone who would who would be oppressed by ID you know, laws. If he would have used all that geometry he learned in basketball. Yeah, right. To go towards his mathematics, he'd be brilliant. <laughs> She's getting, you know, birthered by Donald Trump. She's getting birthered by Donald Trump. Um, and I don't care how much the donor class likes her, which will yeah. ramp up a lot, the better yeah. she does in New yes. Hampshire. And this guy is just agreeing. I mean, that's the stupidest thing. That guy Anybody's... looks like a teddy bear. He is. He's a, he's a, like they, I don't know how they, they woke him up, but he's a sentient teddy bear. With and he a, agrees. Like, I mean, look at, look at how, look at how that baby face. He has, he has never gotten rid of his baby fat. Uh, that's Chris Hayes. That's his name. That's Chris Hayes, the guy who used to set people up for, uh, you know, child pornography. Was there, was there a Chris Hayes that did that? I thought so. The guy would, uh, the guy would be like, "Let me. Why don't you come in here and sit down for a second? It wouldn't surprise me if Chris Hayes did that. I don't think why don't he's going to take a seat. You're a pedophile." Yeah, I, I wouldn't surprise me if he did that. I think he's probably a little. I think he's probably like a a gender fluid type person, 
look at that expression on this chick's face to the the left of the woman dressed like a clown. It's like she's smirking. It's a shit eating grin because she knows it's ridiculous. And this is before it goes over to Chris Hayes. Just look at how he's just agreeing with her without question. Nobody even raises the possibility that what she says is not true. Or that there's another explanation. Up a lot, the better she does in New yes. Hampshire. So it's still yeah. a challenge. I don't see how she becomes look a nominee. That. Look at her hair. Did you see when she turned her head? I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep stopping this. But look, th this is how? not even, this is not even, they're not even trying here. You see that? The back half of her head, you can see all of her dark hair. The front half is the Trump wig. I mean, this is ridiculous. She doesn't wear it as well as I do. You've been on movie sets before. I've been on movie sets. W would the makeup and hair people ever allow you to go out on the set with that going on? You've been on, uh, you know, I, I mean, you've never gone to a news uh, interview. They do your makeup and everything there, too. Do you think that that would be allowed unless it were on purpose? Well, you know, and she came in and she was like, no, I want to look like a clown. And they go, I don't think that's a good idea. And she goes, you know what? You're a racist. Yeah, she said, I want to see the dark half of my hair. I want to see the You're big... a racist bigot. Uh, it's like they that, took a uh, bowl and set it on her head, is what it looks like. And then they cut the, the rest of the wig off. <laughs> I mean, that is ridiculous. I feel like they are, are trying to see, and I've said this a lot, but what people will put up with, what, what they will accept... I think that this is like a slow progression, slow conditioning, where maybe a year from now, the same type of scenario is going on, except she actually has, you know, a, a big red paint marks on her face and she's wearing clown gloves. And while she's talking about how racist people are, she's pulling an endless handkerchief out of her coat pocket. I'm telling you, Brad, just Google the anchors from the Dark Knight Returns comic book. And that's what goes on? Just, I mean, the anchors look like her. And Frank Miller's dystopia, he's a prophet. Maybe the makeup wardrobe person watched that like before this oh, happened. They were she like, becomes you know the nominee of... <laughs> Go uh, ahead. She started talking again. And she goes... That party that with party. Donald Trump still around, I can't picture it happening. Maybe it could happen. Ron DeSantis's only argument for staying in it is he's the white guy that he can still make the appeal to whitey. Yeah, it's, so, but it's that, okay for you to call every Republican a bunch of fucking racists. That's that's the only reason. Yeah, right. It's the only reason DeSantis is in because he's the white guy. You know what? She's a racist. I'll go ahead and say it right now that clown black woman is a racist. She's a huge racist. That's her job. I'm going, I'm going on uh, record right now. Donald Trump says that that clown black woman is a racist. Joy Reid from MSNBC. And you're right. I don't even yes. remember her name. Yeah. I don't watch MSNBC. It's garbage. I, I, you know, and yeah. I've, had to ride, I've had to ride on a lot of garbage lately. I don't know about you, but I've just been riding on top of garbage all the time. A lot of garbage in and out. You know, I don't know how, like, what their demographics are. What I do know is that People like Joy Reid and Rachel Maddow, their job is not to be journalists or even pretend to tell the truth. Their job is to act like they're journalists with a very oh, serious yeah, face. Know, they're op-eds. They're op-eds. Op That's all they are. And to lie. No, their job is to lie to people and to condition people with these things, with these falsehoods that they ultimately lead people who buy into their, their um, network 
and their beliefs into normalizing these radical, ridiculous uh, uh, beliefs that have no proof behind them and do so masquerading as as people who who seek facts. But that, that's not the case. That's not the case with any of these people. And it's tough because the way that journalists are portrayed are they're portrayed by the very people who who are the propagandists. So they tell people, they make it look like we're journalists, we're investigating. None of them are investigating. The only reason any of these people and any of these networks were hired is because they're very good at lying to people. And they're very good at mixing uh, uh, deception in between a couple of truthful things that is just enough to get people who identify with them to believe them from there on out without question. And uh, then it just becomes emotional tribal propaganda. And they're despicable people. They get paid a lot to do this. But if society saw them for what they were, propagandists, and very good ones at that, they are very good propagandists. It's a study in propaganda. Then people would, would not believe them. But people think they're fucking journalists. And, and, they, they're, and that they're racist if they suggest that they're being deceitful. It pisses me off. Mr. President. Well, you know, I, I hate to tell you, Brad, uh, I've been so busy lately. I haven't even had time to eat between court cases and when in Iowa. You look I gotta great. go pick me up some McDonald's. You Right. You look like you've lost 30, 40 pounds to me. Well, you know, there's a lot of stress going on. All right. Well, let's I'm get doing, out of here uh, with this. Doing intermittent fasting, but uh, I can't do it today because it's 1 a.m. It's tough to wait for the storm uh, when you're fat. Like, it's very hard. You know when the storm's coming, not knowing when. Last thing, wanted to show you this. This is from the World Economic Forum uh, podcast they posted yesterday. And it's a meeting in the metaverse with actor Rain Wilson, who is from The Office, the weird guy from The Office. Oh, yeah, and he the joins them. One. Yeah, and he's and in the image, what you see is you see what's this, Dwight from The Office wearing a virtual headset sitting in front of a microphone with a World Economic Forum. I really can't stand that guy, to be honest with you. What would you What would you do if you ran into him in the metaverse? If I, I'd kick him right in the nuts. Right in the nuts. Right. I I would take my headset off and kick him in the actual nuts. It, it, it's just seeing this type of thing. I don't necessarily think people are really influenced by this. I think this is just a bunch of dick suckers, you know, sucking each other off with this. But this guy is an actor. What what compels somebody who has an acting career to go to the World Economic Forum and put on a virtual headset and be featured in, in a metaverse with Klaus Schwab? I mean, why would you do that? Do you well, uh, you do it because he's promising you uh some great position in his uh, dystopic future with no currency where you're eating bugs. Yeah, I think it's either got to be a role he was cast in or a public uh, publicity appearance, or maybe he just buys into all that. All right, I, I didn't realize how long this show had gone. But so I, I thank you for sticking with me this long, Mr. President. I do appreciate that. And thank you for everybody in the comments and the chats. I, I appreciate all the interaction. Uh, great stuff. And thanks for watching propagandafight.com check it out youtube.com slash brad binkley rumble.com slash prop report action show studios.com is that the correct website mr president yeah that's uh, that's the website you go to youtube all kinds of stuff 
actionshowstudios.com. Lots of good stuff there. And the presidential, the libertarian presidential primary debate, January 25th through 27th in Covington, Georgia. Get your tickets now. I'll be there. Maybe, maybe President Trump here, here will be there. We shall see. We'll talk to you guys next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.